Hello, hello, hello. Once again, it is February 1st, 2024. I am Will Scouch. I am joined by an extremely special guest today. Uh, it's been a long time coming. We've been fans of each other for Appreciate years. It, uh, Appreciate yeah. it. AJ, <laughs> this isn't about you, man. Grav, AJ, welcome to the show, man. How are you? Yeah, <laughs> this is going well. Derailing the introduction, but we are joined by Grav today, the almighty Grav, uh, fellow YouTuber in the world of hockey. Grav, how are you, buddy? Well, I'm doing very well. I think we might have to have a conversation about firing AJ after this stream. But, Maybe. Uh, he yeah, does we're too doing much very well here. <laughs> I'm too lazy to get rid of him. I need I need him. So exactly. I'll forgive it this time around. AJ's but, lucky. Uh, He's lucky. Yeah, man. but yeah, but glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. So we have Grav on today. We're going to talk a lot about the Elias Lindholm trade. We're going to let him just go nuts and wax poetic about his Dallas Stars uh, and chat a little bit about maybe some surprises in the NHL this year and a bit about the All-Star game. Um, but before we do, I'm going to go over our ad read. So we're brought to you by Fanatics. You can use our affiliate link below or scan the QR code in the stream window to provide a small kickback to the show on anything you buy in the store. We're also brought to you by Puck Preps Hockey, where you can help pay, pay Sam and I's bills, getting all your NCAA prospect needs and CHL entry draft players. Uh, we're also brought to you by Fractal Hockey Consulting, which is my business for hand-tracked player analysis packages meant for the NCAA, Europe, and more. And of course, scouching.ca, which is this site where, of course, you're seeing this, where you can get exclusive access to innovative data tools with a ton of insight into draft prospects. And I will say this, um, my, tr my tracked data is locked um, behind Fractal Hockey, but the archive of all the data that I've tracked is now put into one giant visualization tool. So any level of subscriber has access to look at some selected uh, sections of that data that's proprietary, and it is now from prior years public. But anyway, uh, you can check that out at scouching.ca. Let's get back to Grav, Mr. Uh, Mr. Grav, how are you? You mentioned it earlier, but uh, now we can actually speak like two people talking to each other. How are you, buddy? Very good. And glad to be a part of this. Been watching Scouching Lives for a long time. And I mean, I recognize pretty much everybody in the chat, especially Salty Wings and Avs, man. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it's great to be in here and uh, love to talk some hockey here today, especially an all-star break. Yeah, I know. It's funny. It's funny how we have quite a, we recognize quite a few of the same people in the world of uh, of hockey YouTube who are always faithful and we always welcome welcome the interaction and uh it helps keep keep us talking which is the whole mm -hmm. goal um oh, yeah. So, yeah so uh the first thing obviously that we wanted to go over was the elias lindholm trade that broke last night so if you weren't paying attention or have not you know been on the internet today uh, elias lindholm was now a vancouver canuck and in return the calgary flames got andre kuzmenko who is under contract until next year after next year uh for five and a half million Prospects Hunter Brustovitz uh, and Yoni Yermo, a first round pick this year and a conditional fourth round pick that uh, could upgrade to a third round pick if the Vancouver Canucks go deep this year. So, I mean, I, we have a guest today, Grav. First impressions of this. How are you feeling? Let me know what, what's going on in your mind mm -hmm. here. Well, great graphics by AJ there. So he's going to keep his job for at least another day. But uh... exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, this is one that I kind of I mean, we knew that Lindholm would be traded this deadline, but it, it kind of came out of nowhere. I feel like with Vancouver getting him, it just was like, oh yeah, they're working on a deal, and now it's just about to happen. And I was kind of, it was kind of funny how there's like a five minute span where it was kind of uh, released up to the public that Kuzmenko had Calgary on his no move clause, and how that might have prevented the deal from happening. But I, I feel like for Vancouver, whenever that trade was first talked about last night i'm like oh right that makes 
on his set for Vancouver. And, and you can obviously get into the trade package a little bit. But I think in terms of a pure fit, I think it gives Vancouver the versatility they actually can use in that top six. You can put him on the first line. You could have one with Elias Pettersson. You could try to maybe balance that top six. You could put a, play, a couple of players like Miller and Besser with the chemistry they have onto the second line. Like you could, you could have so many more options. I feel like that you're the Canucks, and especially come playoff time, it's not going to be a team that just has that one line going. It's not going to be a team that just has you know those top end guys, and that's it. I feel like Lindholm gives them a lot more stability. Can have that third line as really that third line for sure, and, and established as that third line. And you can have a, that second line a lot more competitive if you want it to be. You could have Lindholm centering that second line. You could have him on the first line. And even though I'm not the biggest fan of what Lindholm has done this year, I feel like it. Some of it is based on just how bad his team is, and also just some of the possession wingers that he's had in the past obviously like Goudreau and Kachuk just not being there and not having the weapons that he used to have if he's with Elias Pettersson I mean that's exactly the type of winger that I mean Glenholm could really benefit from and I think those two could do wonders together yeah I mean I completely agree I mean I, th I think a lot of people jumped to conclusions about this deal and saw the volume of assets going one way and I think once you see a first round pick, I think a lot of people, especially in the internet world, I think get really, really, really excited. Yeah. Um, the thing also that also is mentionable that that I have been chatting about privately is that this also frees up a ton of cap space for Vancouver next year and they need it, right? Mm -hmm. Like they, they're a team that kind of, I guess, feels like they maybe miscalculated with the Andre Kuzmenko extension last year and paid him five and a half million for a guy who maybe still hadn't, fully got his, gotten his feet set in the NHL. So to get rid of that, I mean, they're going to need the money and they certainly, like, it, it, it will be really helpful. And I do think the Canucks were still winning without Kuzmenko really, you know, being a major part mm -hmm. of that team. And so they kind of said, well, okay, if we can free up the money and get rid of this guy who Tockett doesn't really know what to do with and the team doesn't seem to really know what to do with, and in return, we get a guy who solidifies up the middle. We all know how important, you know, really good centers are. Yep. Um, solidifying that going into the playoffs for a team that, you know, I think I think it's right to point out they are outperforming and doing a lot better than they probably on paper should be, but they're winning, right? And if th this yep. makes their team better, right? This, this, this kind of upgrades the team, and that's the whole point. They want to go deep in the playoffs. You never know when you're going to, sort of get this chance to go deep again with such a exactly. great record. So they don't really care about the first round pick. You know, we can talk about the prospects, but the, I don't, I don't think they paid at the end of the day. It's unlikely that they paid too much, especially when their goals are go deep this year. Um, and I know, I know that Vancouver loves what they've done here. I, I think mm -hmm. they're really, really excited. Um, and so I guess, I mean, I guess the question is like, does this make them, a serious contender in the West to like go all the way to the cup final. Cause they're going to be up against the Colorado avalanche and the Edmonton Oilers and the, of course uh, the Dallas stars can't, can't miss them. Don't so I, the I don't Golden know. Knights, man. They're a good and team the Golden too, Knights. Man. Like it's, it's, it, they're in tough. So I don't know. Do you think this makes them a, a more serious threat to, to go the whole way? Well, I think it's interesting because the, yeah, the West is kind of why it's not wide open. Cause there's so many teams that are in it, but it, it's so, competitive it's so balanced i don't think there's any team here that is far and away 
the playoff favorites maybe Colorado is, but I feel like their depth is lacking compared to other years, which I think last year kind of bit them in the butt. So I feel like for Vancouver, I mean, it, it, this is the this is the year you've been given this incredible season with so much high morale, basically out of nowhere. And even though I saw Vancouver doing a lot better in the last year, I didn't see them being a, a a playoff team. I didn't see them actually being able to make it. But you've had as you can tell, just incredible luck, but also just an incredible system that Talkin has been able to implement. And I feel like if you're going to go for it any year, I mean, Pedersen's going to be an RFA after this year. Roenick's going to be a uh, RFA after this year. And even though they saved some money on this deal, like you mentioned, Will, like to, mm-hmm. me, to me, there is no doubt about it. If you're going to go for it, for it in any year, it is this year. And especially considering the holes that I still think Vancouver had, I think this is a team that could have absolutely upgraded, could have absolutely made changes. And I think Lindholm is the perfect match. I mean, usually with trade deadlines, you know, there's players that get moved and, some uh, some fits that work pretty well but i think in terms of like an actual perfect match that that gives exactly what a team needs i think Lindholm is is perfect for vancouver like i I don't, think, I don't think anybody else in this market in any position would have fit vancouver nearly as well maybe a tanev which you know there was word that there would be tanev included in the deal uh but i feel like with vancouver and what they needed what they really wanted in the playoffs there wasn't really any better fit and like you mentioned with kuzmenko i mean I don't think he was he maybe some people would have expected him to do better next year. I wouldn't have in Tocket's system. Yeah. It just looks like a complete mismatch. And yeah. to me, I, I really don't think he would have rebounded next year. I think it would have been pretty samey. I think he would have ran around 40 points. And I think this was the best time to change uh, to trade him while you know that last year is still in the rear view mirror for a lot of teams. And I would say this, I don't even think it's out of the question that maybe Calgary ends up flipping him as well, maybe putting yeah. him to a different team as well. I could, yeah. I could totally see that. I was going to say the exact same thing. Um, yeah. You know, like Calgary is probably, I mean, they're a little bit on the outside looking in right now on the playoff picture. And, you know, the thing I, the thing I find really interesting about this trade as well is like, AJ, we did a show previewing guys, you know, what teams need at the trade deadline, what contenders might need. And I feel like three quarters of the teams we were talking about, we said Elias Lindholm is an option. Yes, we did. It was just anybody who was like a forward. It was Elias Lindholm. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think one on one hand, that's now done. The Vancouver Canucks jump the market. They get the guy that everybody's going to want. You know, yeah, they get the marquee Mm -hmm. guy. They have a lot more time to get him adjusted to playing with Vancouver. Sometimes like a lot of trade deadline acquisitions don't necessarily play as well as you would think because they just they only play like 20 regular season games with that team. Mm -hmm. So it gives them a little bit longer of a runway. And I mean, to me, it just it it also makes other players likely to be traded much more interesting. I see a lot of yeah. Habs fans talking about Sean Monaghan <laughs> today. Um, I, I don't why. know what Sean... Yeah, I mean, I wonder why. But I, I wonder what Sean Monaghan is worth. Like, I've been watching a few Habs games lately. And, I mean, is he, is he a massive downgrade on Lindholm? Like, it, there's injury history and there's all this stuff. But, but Monaghan has played pretty well this year um, and should be a boost to a team down the stretch. But, like, are we going to see prices inflate or are we going to sort of see things you know our team's going to forget that this trade happened in a month and sort of just kind of play the market more rationally uh, around the trade deadline then again i mean last year or then again we've seen guys get traded who are you know third line dudes for multiple multiple picks so who knows um but yeah, but just think, the dynamics yeah he's going to forget this trade because when you think about it what team has the most players that are on like trade watch or trade bait it's calgary right so they're gonna mm-hmm. they're gonna demand exorbitant prices and not to say that this was but like when you hear the return like two prospects first round pick a conditional fourth that becomes a third that's a pretty big market setter and that's for the guy that's number one on the board 
Right. So yeah. I, I expect, and especially now, because think about it, what's left? Like, we're talking about Sean Monaghan now. Anthony mm-hmm. Duclair is a really good option, too. Like, what else is available? Yeah. So yeah. teams are going to have to really figure out, okay, well, we're out on Lindholm because he's with the Canucks. What are we going to have to give up for a guy like Duclair? What are we going to have to give up for a guy like Monaghan? Yeah. Or Tarasenko. Yeah. Uh, Henrique. Yeah. Henrique. Exactly. You know, like... It could be it could be crazy. Like Ilya Labushkin could be traded for like two <laughs> second round picks for all we know at this rate. Please. Um yeah, but it's it's gonna be a very interesting run up into the trade deadline, because AJ, you're right. Like in terms of guys that are out there, there's not a ton. And I think I think it'll be interesting too, because I mean we were talking about about this before the show a little bit, but the 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 the, the standings are still very close in many places. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that limits a team's ability to say, okay, well, we're going to sell this year. So this guy's, these are the guys we're probably going to move on from, right? There's just not as much supply, I think, because there's not that many teams that are, you can look at in February now, it's February 1st. You can't look at them and go, they're sellers. These guys are going to sell. But I think Calgary kind of put their stake in the ground going like, yeah, we might not, you know, this might not be the year. We might need to do a bit of a reboot here. Um, or they could flip Kuzmenko, they could flip the first round pick, they could whatever, mm-hmm. who knows. Um, so it gives flexibility for them too, but it's it'll be an interesting couple of months going into the trade deadline of even just how other teams perform and where they go and how things sort of settle. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I, I just was surprised at how quickly people thought this was lopsided for, for Calgary. Um, I mean, we can talk about the well. players that are involved specifically, but... I think this is a great move for for, for what Vancouver needs, and mm-hmm. and it really helps them out. Well, that's the thing that I, I you touched on it as well. I absolutely love Vancouver's strategy here of getting these guys early. Zadorov, I mean, two months ago, and even though he hasn't been perfect, I think he will probably be a lot better by the time playoffs come around because he was traded so early and get adjusted to the system, especially when it's a system like Rick Tockett that is so specific, so so defensive, so forecheck uh, reliant. To get used to that system to, to be able to adapt well, especially in Lindholm's case, uh, it's a situation where I think it'll be a big change. And obviously, teammates wise, it'll be a big change. So, I, I love the fact that they did this early, they didn't do it in March when they have one le- month <laughs> left, just magically get Lindholm adjusted completely. Um, and I love that strategy of just doing these things early, making sure there's time to get adjusted to those teammates and everything. But I, I mean, well, I think we can we'll probably uh, get into it now. I think the main reason why people were th- uh, seeing it as a big overpay by Vancouver was uh, a certain uh third round prospect that uh maybe neither of us are that high on <laughs> yeah i mean yeah the prospects that went in the deal yoni yermo and hunter brustovitz i mean so i guess the easy one is yoni yermo uh-huh. i real i've always really liked yoni yermo i i was a big fan of him when he was draft eligible um he's bounced around a bunch of different programs in finland mm-hmm. and i don't think they really know what to do with him yeah. i remember watching him when he was younger and he was so raw like huge really skilled really great skater you know, uh, but just the defensive game wasn't quite there yet. He had he wasn't really using the size of the physical tools he had, but it seems like he kind of has lost a lot of skill in his game. He's kind of lost a lot of that. He's never really gotten to that defensive level of player, and it seems like the offense uh, offensive potential is just gone. So I'm not sure how, if you fix that, I feel like, you know, I think he's signed to an entry level deal and he's just on loan to Finland. Um, so I imagine when he, if he comes back and plays for 
like Abbotsford, uh, then or the Calgary Wranglers, sorry, maybe there's something there because I think that you know, just based on the size and the way that he skates and how he gets around the ice, there might be something there, but he's a, he's a, he's a long shot, I guess is what I'm saying. And Hunter Brustovitz, I mean, I didn't have him ranked last year. I, yeah. I just, cause he's a guy where I said, I, he'll score points, but I don't think he'll be that, you know, as in, in as, as good as his points would indicate. Yep. And when he didn't get a cho- when he didn't get offered a chance to make the U S junior team this year, people were a little ruffled, but it, kind of made a lot of sense and I don't know who he would have knocked off that team based on who was going. So for me, mm-hmm. Brustovitz is a guy who's on a great OHL team with just, you know, they're like the Vancouver Canucks of the OHL. Right. Yeah. And, and, and to me, they went out and got a, you know, n- not the guy that's driving a ton of that bus, especially even strength. And the other, the biggest problem for me with Brustovitz of why I didn't have him on the board was because his defending for a defenseman is not great. And, and to the point where he was getting blown past, but guys were blown through him in the OHL yeah. over and over and over again. And from what I've seen of him this year, that's still a bit of an issue. So to me, he's also a bit of a long shot. Like I feel mm-hmm. like his career trajectory is more of a guy like a Mitch Van Sample, a guy who scores everywhere, gets to the AHL, scores a bunch there, and just can't quite crack it in the NHL, but I could be wrong. I I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. Um, But again, like, I don't think either of these guys are massive halls and massive guys that, that Calgary stole. Uh, They're interesting, but yeah. Well, the thing I see about uh, Rustovitz is like, he kind of, now this might be, I might be thrown (laughs) this out of nowhere, but he kind of reminds me at least from what I've seen of like a lesser version of a Zane Parekh where, I feel like the defensive issues are there. He's a lot of his offense isn't based on skill. It's more so just a decent passing ability and decent awareness and not really like anything that projects incredibly well to the next level. Um, I think offensively projects a lot better, but they kind of have like some of the sort of same issues for me where some of that offense isn't necessarily boosted by the skill and the defensive issues are there. And I mean, I could totally see a situation where he, you know, like you said, goes to the AHL, he does okay there, but is never able to really make that next jump. Like to me in the flame system, I know they don't have a lot of right-handed D, but like how much of an upgrade is he over Jeremy Poirier? Like I don't really see a situation where he's that much better than a player like that. And they're kind of in the same trajectory, kind of in the same situation. And I mean, I think he could play NHL games. I think there's an absolute, like if you shelter him, right. I mean, I think you could maybe get best case scenario, like a fourth power play defenseman out of him, but that's like best case scenario in the situation. And considering, I don't really know if Yermo will be a guy either. It's basically just a first rounder potential fourth or third and Kuzmenko, which is still pretty good, but I feel like, yeah. The, quali- the quantity of this trade definitely, I think, for a lot of people, and obviously uh, Bruce Devitt's name value goes a long way, but there's a reason why the U.S. didn't bring him to the World Juniors, and there's yeah. a reason why they won the gold medal with that strategy. <laughs> yeah, And, I mean, uh, no bias, but um, I'm, I like to see that. So, No, no way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's it. The, the thing, too, before we move on, too, is, like, I think a lot of people also – they play a lot of NHL video games and see how trades in that game can work yeah. and how asset management in that game can work. And I think in real life, like put yourself in the shoes of an NHL general manager of a team that is on one of the biggest heaters ever. Yeah. And, and it's like, do you really care about trading 
you know what? Maybe Andre Kuzmenko is a top six guy with Calgary. Maybe he scores 70 points next year. I don't know. Maybe. Can't say it's impossible. But he he wasn't with Vancouver. And they mm-hmm. didn't they were scratching him. They didn't know what to do with him. So do you really care about that risk? Do you really care about a late first round pick? Do you really care about two guys that haven't even played in the AHL yet? Like yeah. it's at the end of the day, it's like you kind of just go, okay, fine. You want this guy? Fine. Whatever. You want this guy? Whatever. Like f- we want Lindholm. <laughs> like give us this guy who had a bajillion points last year and has been having a bit of a down year this year, but he's going to be on a team that's firing on all cylinders now. So I imagine that they just kind of went, ah, you know what? If Calgary wants, you know, all these B list guys from us, fine. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll just do it because we just want to make a deal. And I feel like that's exactly. a thing that happens a lot at trade deadline and people see that as like lopsided deals or this or that. And, you know, when your job is on the line, when you're, when it's your job to win, it's, it's tempting <laughs> to do some irrational things on paper to, to try to win. So, um, Anyway, speaking of winning, though, we're going to let you take over a little bit. We're going to talk about, we have it in the notes here, phrased as, how sick are the <laughs> Dallas Stars? So I haven't seen a ton of the Stars this year, mm-hmm. so I'll let you take it away. Um, so, so Grav, how, how sick on a scale of one to, I don't know, the bubonic plague, how, how sick are the Dallas Stars? Uh, it's pretty close to the plague, I would say. Uh, don't take that out of context, uh, and don't cancel me, guys. But um, <laughs> I feel like I feel like the stars are they've been they've been having such a weird but fun year. There are times when there was like brutal injuries, and Jake Ottinger went down, and Haskinen went down, and then you know they're just back a week later, and that's cool. Uh, and there was some times, I think, especially like towards maybe like late November, early December, where there was starting to feel like there were some major defensive issues. But this team kind of just rebounds in the best way. I mean, they are so dominant possessionally. They they just they know how to work with the puck and the chemistry there is incredible. I think this year especially though, it's it's the biggest thing to me is the is the rebounding players. I mean Mason Marchment, I was such a big yeah. fan of him in that last year of Florida and I was such a big fan of that contract. And then last year he was awful. I mean, he did not look like the same player. He did not look like this transitional beast that I that I saw with him in Florida. But this season, he's kind of been that that whole of Shane Marchman has been a team saver. Like they have been the best line on the team, and that's saying something when they have Robertson, Hinton, Pavelski. That line has actually been driving the bus. And a lot of times when the Stars have been lacking offense, they are the ones that have been coming up in big moments. Matt Duchesne, I mean, what is there to say? He's been probably the best. I mean, I would say like he's been the most consistent offensive forward on this team, which again, is hard considering you got Chase Robertson and Rupe Hintz. But especially in Robertson's case, there's been some ma- major inconsistencies. With Duchesne, he has been just a puck hound. He's been in the right place at the right time. It seems like him and Sagan, I mean, we can talk about Sagan as well as a rebounding player. He's been um, incredible the past couple of months or so. But that whole line has been perfect together and, and was just a match made in heaven from day one. And Duchesne has really, I think, corrected the look of the offense and really made it to where I don't feel like they need another forward. They're like, I, I feel like if they had another forward, it would be kind of just wasteful considering their situation. Maybe they add a bottom sixer, but I think you look at the bottom six and defensively, I mean, Sam Steele has been incredible in a defensive role. Radic Fox has always been that guy. Um, they have so many guys that can work off each other. And I, I think it's as balanced as this lineup has ever been defensively. There have been some issues, um, but now you have Haskin and Harley together. That line is that pairing is incredible. Harley. We could talk about, about uh, a lot if we wanted to. I mean, I could definitely, I could definitely <laughs> talk about Thomas Harley a lot. Um, yeah. Has been yeah. awesome. 
And the, I mean, it's insane. The goal scoring. I don't, I don't know how he's doing what he's doing. Some of it is luck. Sure. But the guy has just been an absolute menace on the blue line. And Haskinen has been incredible in all three zones. He has just improved his overall game every single year. And even though the offense points wise hasn't been insane this year, it's not going to be a Quinn Hughes or a Kale McCarr level. He's still doing the job every single night. And yeah. there were times early on where I'm like, dude, we need somebody else than Ryan Suter. This guy is getting absolutely trenched out there. <laughs> <laughs> playing 30 minutes yeah. a night and not knowing what to do with it. And it seems like Carly has really balanced that uh, defense. And thankfully, Essa Lindell, I think, has really rebounded defensively this year. He's back to being one of the most under-the-radar defensive players out there. And uh, you and the thing is, I think the biggest, most impressive thing about this Stars team is they're still doing so well. Jake Onger has been average at best. He has mm-hmm. not been driving the boat whatsoever. Scott Wedgwood hasn't exactly lit the world on fire as a backup. Goaltending-wise, they've been fine. And I think if Ottinger turns the page, which we very, know, very well know he can if he is healthy, like this Stars team, I think, has the potential to go all the way. Um, and, you know, we'll say that every year over the past couple <laughs> seasons with the Stars team. But um, I, I feel like with how wide open the West is, I... I, I I'm super excited to to what's next, and hopefully they don't choke versus Vegas next time. We'll see. Right. So are you saying they're better than the Vancouver Canucks? You can uh, click this, AJ, but uh, I would say right now, I feel like I prefer Vancouver. I feel like I prefer Vancouver's star power. Obviously, I mean, how could you not? But I feel like Dallas with that whole top top nine just has so many weapons i think defensively there are times where um you might prefer vancouver's blue line and then and, you know if ottinger's where he's at playoff wise i could see a toss-up between demko and ottinger even if demko's been unreal this year i don't know i feel like a vancouver dallas series though matchups wise it goes against dallas quite a bit yeah. i mean vancouver for some reason like for the past like five years has been like the best team against the Dallas Stars. I don't know why. <laughs> Toronto's also up there, which is very annoying. I was going to say that. I... Matt Murray shout yeah. out. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> For some reason, every time on the national stage versus Toronto, they're just, they just are, are, are just the worst versions of themselves. But I think in a playoff series, I think I might actually take Vancouver just because I think they match up very well against them. But, I mean, I'm a Dallas Stars fan, so I hope I can be biased, and hopefully that bias is correct. <laughs> well, here's something crazy that I was researching this morning about the Dallas Stars, because, I again, I, I haven't paid too much attention to them this year. I agree with you 100% on Thomas Harley. Mm-hmm. That guy is a horse now. I don't know what happened, but he finally has hit his stride, literally. Yep. Like, that guy skating up the ice and moving the puck is just ridiculous. But here's something I found out this this morning that kind of blew my mind. So this is the number of players on these teams that have 29 points or more at this point in the year. So Colorado has five. Uh, the Florida Panthers have five. The Edmonton Oilers have six. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs have five. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks have five. Guess how many the Dallas Stars have? 29 points or more. You probably know, Grav. I don't know, but... Um, Take a gander. Well, it would be Hans Robertson, Pavelski, Marchment, Duchesne, Stegen. Does Harley have 29 points or more? Um, I don't think Ben has more than 29 points, uh, though I could be wrong on that. You are correct. It is 10 players. 
So the, oh. so, so the Dallas Stars have twice as many players scoring at a rate that is, you know, I mean, mm. there's depth there. That's literally the yep. meaning of depth. And that's, that's like, and two of them are defensemen. So that's basically mm. three full lines of guys on pace for 50 or more points in a season-ish, which to me, you know, the Vancouver Canucks, I think their weakness, like many teams, and AJ and I have been over this a few times with different teams, it's like when those top guys aren't on the ice, yeah. things are very different. And it's not so bad with Vancouver, I guess, but with Dallas, it's like, yeah, maybe that that Rupe Hints lining up against uh, Connor McDavid might not win that matchup every time. But you just need to get by and the rest of the team seems to also be mm-hmm. there to fill in the gaps. Right. Like you said, Mason Marchment is in that group. Um, Jamie Ben, Wyatt Johnston is in that group. Oh, right. Yeah. Johnson, so, what am I, what's wrong with me? <laughs> uh, yeah, I know what's wrong with you. Right. But yeah, I mean like it, so to me that, and that blew my mind about Dallas because they're a team where I kind of look at them in the standings and I'm like, okay, but you haven't heard much about how Jason Robertson is doing. You haven't heard much mm-hmm. about how Mira Haskinen is doing. All you hear is Kale McCarr, Quinn Hughes, and, you know, Elias Pettersson and Austin Matthews and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, well, yeah, but they have a bunch of just very good players. Exactly. And it kind of reminds me of, uh, I was thinking about this when you were talking about how they just perennially kind of struggle a little bit in the playoffs. Are they like the new Nashville Predators, right? Where they spend multiple years trying to make a Stanley Cup finally make their way into a Stanley cup final and maybe, maybe Dallas pulls it off, but mm-hmm. it's like they, they don't have that star power, but if they do match up against a team like Vancouver or Edmonton, it's going to be very interesting to see how they stack mm-hmm. up because that depth I think matters. And, and I think it is a tough call to like, you know, it'll be an interesting thought experiment of, do you go with star power and guys who can really fill the net or do you go with, sort of a really well-balanced roster up and down. I mean, AJ and I are in Toronto. We've seen Toronto, the Leafs, what happens to them when the guys in the playoffs, the puck's not going in for them. They really seem to struggle. And uh, that's not pleasant to watch. But I don't, I just don't think, I just don't think Dallas will sort of have that similar issue. Um, Especially if they have JT or uh, JT, uh, Mason Marchment mucking it up. Mm-hmm. The one thing I will add about all this, like uh, when it comes to the playoffs, and I think part of the reason why you have teams like the Leafs struggle in the in those matchups is because finally teams get the game plan for you in a way that they don't actually yep. get to the entire regular season. Because like you can't game plan for even like the Leafs versus Jets in this last little like home and home series. Like they're not gonna spend intense amount of time game planning them the way they would let's say if they matched up in a playoff series. So I feel like in a lot of ways, once you can find ways to minimize the effects of got of like Vancouver's top guys, that yep. could be a problem. Mm-hmm. I think, I think they're a team that will make the second round, but I'm not sure what they are beyond that. Like I like Vegas better when they're healthy. I like the depth of Dallas better. I like Colorado a lot, but like Vancouver's a really good team and they could definitely really challenge. But it's like beyond, and I think more than anything, I just look at Tyler Myers as your second pair defenseman, and I'm not sold. I don't care what team defense (laughs) stuff that Rick Tockett's implemented. Like, sure, he's making Tyler Myers look serviceable. That's why he's up for a Jack Adams award. But like, once you get into the playoffs, and let's say it's the Edmonton Oilers advancing, and it's it's an Oilers-Canucks series, and Connor McDavid's coming down the, like, 
coming down yeah. at, at Tyler Myers. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Tyler Myers. I don't know it's about you. A, it's, Will I it's take Tyler challenge. Myers every day? Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I think Tyler Myers go is going to fall reach. over. <laughs> see, now that we've said that and laughed about it, I can absolutely see a clip on TSN of, of, of Tyler Myers just mauling Connor McDavid. Like, that's the thing, too, right? Is, is if you're true. in the playoffs, if you're in the playoffs, and Connor McDavid's breaking in on you, you could probably just grab his shoulder pads and throw him <laughs> to the ice, and and who cares? He could be going 100 miles an hour, but if you clothesline him, it, who knows if that would be called in, in the NHL these days? I, I have I have no idea, but well, it'll be Just send Nikita Zadorov out to him every uh, single shift, and there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the deterrence effect or whatever that we hear so much about, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's why they got the, him, right? flies off the honey. Yeah, it keeps one, the flies off. One Toronto Maple Leafs general manager said this year. Oh, God. Yep, that's... How many points does he have with Vancouver? I think it's like one or two, but I guess that's not his job. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. But, well, the thing is, yeah. that's interesting is that uh, I would love to see a Dallas Edmonton series, mostly because, I mean, we talk about McDavid, obviously. Uh, Haskinen has had... If you want to talk about... I think out of all NHL defensemen, now this is... A, I'm, no, I'm no stat to this at all. But whenever I watch uh, Oilers Stars games, to me, like the most, the best defenseman I've ever seen at defending Conor McDavid has been Miro Haskinen, and it's the speed that he attacks him with. I mean, like the the skating, it can match McDavid's level when he's back checking. I mean, he is like the perfect defenseman to actually be able to neutralize McDavid without you know making a dirty hit or anything like that. And I feel like that matchup could be really interesting. It obviously tests Haskinen a whole heck of a lot, but I feel like that type of series. I mean, that series would, would absolutely kill me. I'd be like, uh, obviously, you're going against McDavid and dry saddle every shift, and it would be, you know, biting your my, – my nails are going to be evaporated by the time that series is over. But, I mean, there's so many possibilities. I, I feel like Vancouver is in an interesting spot with, like we said, the depth issues. To me, with Dallas, like, there's, there's three questions to me come playoff time. The first one is obviously the defense. How does that defense adapt outside of Haskin and Harley? Because, I mean, that top pair, we know it's going to be good. But outside of that, will Lindell be able to carry the water there? Mm -hmm. To me, Jason Robertson as well. I mean, it's kind of been something that's kind of become a reputation with him. But he is just not that good of a playoff player. Like, simply put, he's just... Uh, he, he can tend to be a little bit more invisible with the higher contact. And that's something that has kind of proved to be an issue. I mean, that last year's versus Vegas. Um, I mean, he barely was, it barely felt like he was there. And of course the goal thing. I mean, we've seen Jake Ottinger play great playoff hockey against the flames, but since then, I mean, I didn't really feel like he was good at really many points. He was kind of fine versus Minnesota and was just, or, or fine versus Seattle. Um, and then it was just kind of, uh, it was, it was kind of just a mix of, of, of poor performances versus Vegas. <laughs> and, I feel like they're in a weird position where still a lot has to go right, but I feel like with the depth that they have, the structure they have still, I would be fine betting on them if I were me, but it's definitely going to be a weird, weird Western conference. I mean, LA, I, they were my pick, uh, cup pick after November, but mm -hmm. now uh, you and Will <laughs> not looking as good. <laughs> uh, yeah. Will was telling me, oh, it's going to happen, man. They'll turn it around. Hey. I still believe. I still believe. They won versus the National Predators last night, AJ. Yeah, Give I know. us yeah. hope, please. I know. You also didn't disagree with me at the time. We were watching the Kings, and they looked great. Hey, I was being dishonest on purpose just to throw you under the bus. Oh, okay? he was being dishonest yeah, on but, purpose. 
but you know I'm always gonna I'm gonna spill the beans about how I actually felt afterwards. I just wanna you well, know give you a pot shot, and then I will also lump myself in with the idiot bunch. <laughs> well, I think the yeah, problem that AJ is in, thinking about here is that uh, Alex Chirikot has come in and become the best player on the LA Kings. Oh, so. yeah, that's true. He's the savior of the year for them for sure. Yeah, yeah. more so um, than Quentin Byfield now. All of a sudden. <laughs> he was actually pretty sick versus natural i was watching that game yeah, he was Nat- awesome and i love he's that, been man. excellent yeah yeah um so i guess on that note like what do you who do you who do you hope goes deep in the playoffs this year like what do you it, 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 i know it's i know it's early obviously besides there's dallas, a lot of things yeah. yeah besides dallas of course but like in your heart of hearts you know what do you what are you hoping to see out of the playoffs this year assuming that you know what's happening now is kind of going to hold until the end of the year mm-hmm. well the, maybe the thing I'm hoping for the most is more overtimes. I just remember last year there was not. I think like just the past couple of years there just hasn't been a lot of overtimes, especially there were too in like many overtimes pivotal games. For my series for for the Leafs, yeah, for the Leafs it was pretty good. But <laughs> outside of that, it felt like it, it was a lot of a lot of uh, non close games. Like that Vegas Dallas Western Conference Final was just it was, it was just it was just all Vegas. Like it was, <laughs> and it was kind of over before it began. Unfortunately, honestly. Mm-hmm. And this one, um, I mean, besides, I think it seemed like LA, who have kind of, uh, especially early in the season, really liked to see go far. Um, to be a team that I would honestly like to see go far is Vancouver. I mean, that's a team that, with the weapons they have, would just be so fun to see on a bigger stage. Um, Edmonton finally getting over the hump. I mean, it feels like it's long overdue, but it's also not considering you know how their defense was and goaltending was before this year. But, I mean, those two teams out of right now would probably be my... Uh, not favorites to go, but in terms of teams I would actually want to see go far, they would be fun. Florida, again, being in the race, I think would be awesome considering just how wild that team is. I mean, if we get another cup final <laughs> yeah. of them, it's going to be nasty. So, I mean, those would be up there for me. Yeah, I would, I would say, I mean, Edmonton was the first team that came to mind because I think it's insane that Connor McDavid has not even competed for one yet in his career. No, and yeah. if that guy's going to put a team on his back and carry them all the way there, if he has to, I'm hoping that, maybe this is the year they do it. If they, like you were talking about Jake Ottinger goaltending, if Stuart Skinner can sort of just hold the line for them, I think mm-hmm. that that could be possible on Jake Ottinger. I've also seen him. I remember the the, the playoff run he went on where he was astounding. Yeah. So it's, you know, maybe that was lightning in a bottle, but you never know, you know, and, and a great goaltender can transport you through the playoffs. But yep. I'm going to, I think out of left field, I kind of want to see an Edmonton Carolina final because it's some of the most boring markets for national hockey. And I just, I love when that happens because I don't know, I just feel like seeing, I don't know, small markets and games mm-hmm. where nobody nationally in the States cares it sends people into like a frenzy of like how it shouldn't be happening or something. And I don't know. I just, I just for the memes and the, yeah. the enjoy the schadenfreude of, of the internet in those days. But I also do think that Carolina is sort of slowly building a resume as a, as a pretty decent team. And like, like, uh, like most teams, if they can sort of get stable goaltending and, and sort of stay mm-hmm. under control and maybe make a couple of additions around the trade deadline, then I, I think they could certainly insert themselves into a conversation. But you're right. Like Boston and Florida, I think are going to be tough to to get yep. over. If the Toronto Maple Leafs sort of fire on all cylinders, then they could be tough to get through. Um, but yeah, I mean, here's for me, the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, yeah, here's to hoping, but you know, it's Toronto, so you you know you can only hope so long. 
but yeah, I mean, I th I think Edmonton's the team that I certainly would would highlight as a as a as a a, a desire to see go deep. Um, is there anybody in the NHL like we we I, I think but just by talking to you now over the last half hour, I yeah. think I can know my answer to this. But is there is there a player or team or whatever like what's the NHL player or storyline that has has kind of blown your lid the most like surprised you the most whether it's a good thing or a, or a not so good thing i'm I'm curious as to mm -hmm. what you've seen from your perspective of you know what's really caught you off guard in a way yeah well i mean i feel like i could go for a couple like easy easy answers like sam reinhardt doing what he's doing is i mean i, I don't even understand it honestly brock besser is kind of up that same echelon where you know these I mean, sam reinhardt was probably in a better position coming in the year but brock besser i mean I didn't think he was cooked, but I never thought he would get back to that rookie level dominance that he had goal scoring wise. And he's been able to put it all lighting in a bottle, which is awesome. And he, and he's obviously been looking great there too. To me, I mean, by far the most surprising situation story coming out of this all, I mean, uh, well, I, I know you'll probably, uh, agree with this, but well, let me not agree as like the number one, but to me, it's the wild rookies, Brock Faber, Marco Rossi. Oh. I mean, I just, Brock Faber, especially out of nowhere, has been one of the best defensemen in the entire NHL this year. Defensively, I mean, he's probably top five. I think I was looking at a stat uh, like a few days ago where I think out of NHL D who have played, I think it was like 700 minutes or something, some some specific stat where it like narrowed it down to like 60 or so. So like the top, the top guys that are playing the most minutes. He was like first in five on five expected goals against per 60. Number one. And what he's been able to do that for that Minnesota blue line. I mean, it's a shame that they're, I mean, it's not a shame for me because I don't really root for Minnesota, but <laughs> it's a shame that his performance has not really resulted in much sustained success because what he's doing with Spurgeon out, what he's been doing the whole year is insane. And then Marco Rossi, I mean, you and me, well, like I think everybody loves to see it this year, but especially those of us who were big Rossi fans and saw so many people, labeling him as this one thing that he'd never make it after almost dying like he almost <laughs> died and now he's here and he's not just you know an nhl player he's not just somebody he's really freaking good and yeah. just watching minnesota games and the, the puck dominance and all these little things i mean there's still obviously a ways to go for him but it's kind of just reassuring seeing him and seeing what he's gone through and just seeing how good he is now. Like that's to me, the most heartfelt situation by far in the season this year. And it's been awesome to watch both of those guys play. That's a great storyline that I totally forgot about. Like Brock Faber has been outrageous. I just looked yeah. it up. He's playing 25 minutes a night this year. Like that's, yeah. that's dumb for a 21 year old defenseman to be playing 25 minutes a night and look as good as he's looked doing it. Like that boggles my mind. And that definitely, you know, I, I had a feeling he'd be a solid NHL defender this year after seeing the couple of games he had last year and seeing him a little bit over the years, but yeah, he has just taken off and I hope it's sustainable and just watching him play. You can kind of see that the ingredients are there that he should be able to keep up if the league does get quicker. And if it does get a little more physical, he has the yep. tools to manage that. And yeah, Marco Rossi's a, another one. I mean, I, before in the research for for today i i threw in thomas harley on here i yeah. thought honestly before this year i thought thomas harley was a little cooked uh i didn't know that he was gonna you know you saw a guy who had tools you know the skating was there you know he could he was certainly confident but you sort of saw a guy who kind of seemed to struggle 
with NHL pace and, and mm-hmm. when to sort of take those chances and when to sort of jump into a rush. And, you know, he kind of was bouncing up and down the lineup and all that, but he is one that, again, like really surprising me when I've seen him this year, the goal scoring, you know, yeah, it's a little unsustainable. He's on pace for over 20 goals and whatever, but you know, if he becomes a 40 point a year defenseman who can sort of chip in on a power play here and there, then I, I certainly could see him having a, a pretty darn good career from here, but he mm-hmm. is one that I definitely uh, definitely wanted to flag. No, I, I like that because I think it was, I think it was reported like recently. I think Jim Nill, obviously Dallas Stars GM after last year uh, when Harley was sent down to the AHL for the first time last season, he was basically like, we want to see you improve in, in everything. We don't care about the points. We don't, we don't want to, you know, we, we obviously want to see the offensive improvement there still, but we, we want to see you, adapting more we want to see you making quicker decisions we want to see you getting better defensively and that whole process last year all of that cooking in the ahl which you know at that point from you know somebody that's just you know looking at elite prospects won't be able to see that and i didn't even know how much you know he was he was working on that overall game as much as he was last year but it was like complete revitalization i mean he was fine in his first year and in the games he played last year in the regular season he was okay but there was a clear difference between you know the player that got sent down to the ahl at that first time and then what he was in the playoffs and to me that that cold i I think it was also in harley's case i mean he could see you know that there wasn't any guaranteed spot on that star's defense they have a lot of signed nhl guys and i think he probably was one of those moments where you know you, you you see your future in the nhl fading almost and for him, it was probably, you know, like, this is the time. This is the time that I really need to put all that work in and, and be able mm-hmm. to prove myself. And, I mean, he absolutely did. He, he immediately in the NHL playoffs. Like, it wasn't just he was okay. He was one of their best in the playoffs. And that's when I, I feel like everybody started to realize, at least in the Stars community, that this guy is going to be, you know, a, at least an NHL next year, but a force to be reckoned with at some point here. And you've seen those skills as well adapting pretty well, which is great. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. So, I, but I totally forgot about Brock Faber. So that's a better take yeah. than mine. Um, so we're going to chat a little bit before you have to take off in a couple of minutes. Uh, we're going to chat a little bit about the All-Star game. Of course, the All-Star mm-hmm. weekend gets started tonight. AJ, you are going to the draft tonight in Toronto. Yeah, free tickets. I'll take it, baby. You, duck. And it's unfortunate that you're not bringing me because look what I have. What? Are you going to try and bribe me last minute? I did. I did it. I, I went out of my way. Ooh. <laughs> I'm going to be a Doritos oh, yes. bag instead for the rest of, paying, of the show. Instead of paying me what yep. you owe instead me, of you, you went me. out and you bought a jersey. Awesome. <laughs> hey, Thanks, man. Will. I have... Don't worry. You're going to get your paycheck. Don't worry. Don't worry. It exists. But I had to. I, I saw it. I stared at this for half an hour. Uh, thought about it and thought about it. And I thought, you know what? I, well, how many times do you get to look like a bag of Doritos in your life? Uh, very rare. So I went out and bought the only good-looking All-Star jersey for this year. So the cool now we can shift into All-Star ones. mode. Yeah, the Cool Ranch. Although I'm not a huge Cool Ranch flavor guy. So, Grav, if you're eating Doritos, if you do, what what's the bag you jump for? That's more interesting than the All-Star game. I mean, I'm not a big Doritos guy. Um, okay. I'm more of like a tortilla, uh, tortilla chips, like constantly oh, type of person. So Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, re- I respect I respect the All Star jersey grind, though. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's definitely the, I would say that's the best one. That blue one is probably the best. It one. is. It, yeah. That's yeah. And it's also on brand. You know, everything's got to be blue, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Um. But anyway, I mean, the AJ so- was a great purchase. 
I'm yeah, not saying exactly. it wasn't a great purchase. It's just where's no, my no, money? No. That's all. Yeah, AJ wants his money. Don't don't worry. It's it's on the way. Uh, but anyway, it, for this whole weekend, what are you what are you looking forward to? What's 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 what are you going to be glued to your television to to watch this weekend or tonight? Well, I'm I'm going to be what I'm going to be doing is um, staring at uh, Elias Lindholm's every move uh, to see if he secretly hates his new teammates or not, because that'll be <laughs> uh, worth my time. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, if, if Lindholm isn't immediately smiling at at, uh, at his fellow All-Stars, then uh, Twitter's going to be ablaze. But I feel like All-Star this year is going to be pretty wild just because of, of the whole of revamp of of the all-star rosters i mean we've been begging them to to make an all-star draft to do that again have the players input show the personality there and they're finally giving it to us and you know as somebody that isn't the biggest fan of the all-star will be tuning into that because it, it's hard not to It'll be so much fun in that direction and even though probably the rest of it won't be that much different the all-star draft that's going to be like that's that's my favorite part of it when it happened all the way back then and and just watching clips of it after the fact i mean it's just such a good opportunity for players to actually show themselves and to be a little bit wacky. And I hope uh, we don't see, you know, all these guys just flat stared. I pick uh, Elias Pedersen or something like that um, because there's a good opportunity here for the NHL to market it. And I hope I, well, hoping the NHL market itself is a, always a constant uh, hope and not a realistic thing, but you know, I hope it works right. out for them. <laughs> So Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson are going to oh. be drafting for Team Hughes tonight. So do you do right. you think they draft their new teammate in Elias Lindholm, or do you think they go right for for JT Miller? I want to see the team that drafts right before them take JT Miller or something. And like I want to I want to see fireworks and drama. That, yeah, that's what I'm hoping. But I feel like it's going to be pretty straightforward. <laughs> no, I, I think they're going to be like hush hush before the fact and be like, we'll yeah. let the Canucks go together, which is going to be so lame because it would be yeah. so funny to see Miller like yeah. going against Besser and you know like Lindholm on not even playing. Like imagine if Lindholm doesn't get drafted by the Canucks. Like imagine <laughs> that would be yeah. so funny. Um, but that, that's going to be honestly my favorite part is just like the 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 picking drama. Like who who. Who are like Tate McGray? Is Tate McGray going to be there? Like, what's yes. going to happen there? Yep. You know, I mean, I personally, I think it's hilarious and so NHL that there's only one defenseman available in the draft. That's it. So, who and there's only one team that doesn't have a defenseman. So, I'm hoping maybe it'll happen that McDavid's team, which is starting with McDavid and Dreisaitl, which there's no defenseman. They don't draft a defenseman, like someone that, just will. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's what I mean. Like they're used to that. So <laughs> maybe it'll be extra fun uh, for the skills competition. So they're doing fastest skater, hardest shot, stick handling, one timers, passing accuracy. Uh, and the winner gets a million dollars. So of the group of David Pasternak, Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr, Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid, Matthew Barzal now uh, replacing, was it Jack Hughes? I think. Um, yes. Was it? Uh, Nikita Kucherov, William Nylander, Austin Matthews, Elias Pettersson, JT Miller, and Quinn Hughes. Of all of those guys, who do you think has taken home the big bucks? Who's who? Who gets the big giant check for a million dollars that they'll spend on a whatever? I don't know what dinner for everybody. I don't know. Well, I kind of hope it's uh, Kale McCarr because there was that one Bo and Byram quote where I think I can't remember the exact specifics about it, but I think Bo and Byram after the $1 million thing was announced, he was like, oh yeah, Kale's going to give us like all 100K if it happens. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't think, I'm pretty sure what happened was Kale didn't actually know about that. So I think Byron was just like talking out of, took it out of himself about that. I want to see that just because I, I want to see if Byron gets his check. Um, 
because uh, he deserves it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I might. This might just be my my geographic bias, but honestly, looking at all of these different categories, I would not be surprised to see William Nylander take it. Like he just yeah. seems to be good at all of these things, like all of them. Accuracy maybe not shooting. hardest shot. Yeah, maybe not hardest shot. No, but that boy can skate. That boy can stick handle. That boy can shoot a one timer. That boy can mm-hmm. pass, and that boy can place a puck. So. I don't know. I think everyone else has some kind of weakness. Maybe McDavid's the easy answer, but producer AJ, what's your what are what's your understanding of this? Who's taking the home the easy money? Easy answer, Connor McDavid. Okay, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. For the easy reasons, he's Connor McDavid. I just have <laughs> never, I've never seen him shoot a one timer very often. You don't see that. But it's like, no, well, he went out and he won the Rocket Richard Trophy last year. He was <laughs> determined to win the Rocket Richard Trophy. If this guy puts his mind to this, he's going to win, and it's not going to be close okay. because so it's what? Connor McDavid. Like, okay, have you, have so you seen tonight, a more talented hockey player than Connor McDavid. No. Exactly. No. So yeah, Radic Foxa. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Certainly. Joel Hanley. Um, no, but uh, yeah, I think what you have to do then is, is find him after the show tonight and take him out for a beer or 12 mm-hmm. and make him like, I don't know, throw up halfway around the rink, fastest <laughs> skater. And that would be good. That would be funny. So that's going to be your job for tonight. And then, and then maybe I'll pay you. You're going to, you're going to fund, fund the sabotage, huh? <laughs> uh, sure. I guess I could. I'll take so out a loan. You can buy in the experience. Ex- you can buy in the expensive stuff. I'll take out a loan. Maybe it'll be, you know, it could be a good investment. Um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm actually gonna be a contrarian here. Oh, do, uh, it, do it. I think I think the player that's getting well. I like the William Nylander pick because I like that. Uh, I feel like he probably the hardest out of all the Leafs. Um, <laughs> in this. I think if, if, we were, if we're talking about players are most likely just on skill on the Leafs to win it, I mean, Austin Matthews would be my guy. It might be the entire, my guy. I mean, how many shot categories there are? Hardest shot, uh, one-timers, accuracy shooting. He's yeah. not a bad passer either. I might go for him, but it's just like, how much is he going to try? How much is he going to be caring about this? I have no clue. Um, that would be my only thing, is if we're going on skill, I go Matthews. I also... I also go contrarian. I think I might go dry sidle as well with how many shot categories that, there are. The the passing challenge. I mean, it's hard not to bet against. Uh, that would be outrageous. Yeah, Leon dry like Leon dry Actually, I looked at his NHL edge numbers, and he's actually underratedly quick on his feet, mm-hmm. which is weird. I you would never expect that. Um, so maybe maybe that's that's a sort of sleeper pick because yeah. some of these categories, I feel like he'd fall a little bit behind, but. I, I mean, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I never really watch the All-Star games themselves. I usually just watch the uh, the skills competition. And mm-hmm. I also am really excited for the PWHL showcase they're doing. Yes. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the last time they did that with women's hockey with the PH, PWHPA. I forget when that was, a couple of years ago. Yeah, so I actually, I actually went fun. to that All-Star game. Um, oh, yeah. And I was able to see that. So it, it was like, it was so fun. I mean, it was it was the difference between the All-Star game and the, and and the women's hockey players and how much they were trying out there. It, yeah. That might as well have been the all-star game. It was so yeah. much better. And it sucked because I mean, it was Canada, U S and the U S lost that. But uh, even though it was Mickey mouse, um, you know, I still, I still, this one's going to be really fun. And I think it's going to be, you know, it's all, whenever they have them play, it's a part of the whole, whole weekend. I didn't get uh, the same way as well. For this. Yeah. I mean, I've been watching some of the PWA or PW, 
it's PWHL over the course of the season. Yeah. It's been great. It's been great. Mm-hmm. And it's been a really, really fun league to watch. Even though Toronto's not the best, Toronto's having a bit of a tough start. But um, especially the teams in the States, I feel like are like Minnesota yeah. and Boston. They're all well, just firing. I'm glad I pitched my horse on Montreal because they're doing pretty well right now. That's true. Um, yeah, they are. Yep. Yeah, it has been a ton of fun. And I just love yeah. I just love watching the the competitive level they have. I mean, it's just like, it, you know, it, it's it's exactly, you know, what we've been wanting out of women's hockey for so long, this established league. And hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, since they, I, I you know, the not having the name sucks, but I think it also shows they're willing to take their time with things and really make this, you know, something that will be here to stay. And I really yeah. hope it does because it deserves to. And honestly, at this point, I'm used to it. <laughs> like, <laughs> At this point, I don't care, yeah. right? Like, I don't, like, yeah. the jerseys everybody complained. I don't care. I don't know. Okay. I think some of them look pretty cool, right? Like Not Montreal's, but. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think well, there was one, that, I think Ottawa is the one where I'm not Ottawa's super big on it, but. Yeah, I, I like Toronto's. Uh, yeah, they're pretty neat. Boston's is okay as well. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, uh, it's, uh, I think it's, uh, okay to let you go. You know, I know we've got to let you go at some point. So, you know, we got through kind of everything. I mean, if you have anything you want to plug any other topics you'd like to bring up anything, promote yourself, do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. The floor is yours, my friend. Well, if you catch me on YouTube here, uh, at Gravite, uh, of course, the best way to find me just starts to grab say hockey you might not know how to uh, actually spell my name but um, i'll be in the chat as well so you can use that uh just a couple of things here in the chat oil say oily uh saying what is stankoven's potential we talked about it before the show is wayne gretzky and no less uh exactly <laughs> nailed it exactly exactly yeah um and also i wanted to shout out lazy worker for saying did you get to see eklund in center of these past two games i actually have and he's been awesome and yeah it's so sad how about san jose is because if he was on like he was on any team and he was placed in the top six. He'd have, he'd have like 30 points up to the, like he, at least he's been awesome and yeah. love to see him going. Yeah. He's he, I, I also, have, I saw one of those games uh, and I thought he played great. And then at the end of the game, I think it was the Kraken game. He had that sort of rush taking a one on four yeah. and did really well and, you know, kind of carving through that, but he's been really good all year. So I appreciate the, the Eklund plug for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Got to do it every single show. <laughs> every time you get the chance for sure but uh grav thank you so much for coming on we'll do this again at some point mm-hmm. you know it'll Definitely. it's a lot of fun you good uh good dude to chat with and uh all the best and uh enjoy the weekend dude you guys too thank you guys for having me thank you to everybody in the chat love to see you guys come in and it's been fun talking to hockey with y'all cool all right take care man
And welcome back. Thank you again to Grav. That was a good time. It was a great time. It was a fantastic time. Uh, he and I go way back a few years since he was about what feels like about four years old at this point. But, uh, you know, good dude. Always happy to have him on. And uh, I'm sure that won't be the last time we we collaborate. But uh, thank you very much again for coming on. It was a lot of fun. Um, so we're going to take the back half of the show and go through the questions that are in the feed here. If you have any questions, feel free. Fire them away. Ad read. Okay, fine. I'll do an ad read. Come on, <laughs> I Will. Yes, thank you. Yeah, you're the producer. I got to do what I got to do. Shameful. Uh, okay. Yeah, I know. Uh, we're brought to you by Fanatics, which is where I got this beautiful NHL All-Star jersey. Uh, we're, we're, you can use the affiliate link below or scan the QR code in the chat window to provide a small kickback to the show on anything you buy in the store. We're also brought to you by Puck Preps Hockey, where you can get written articles for all your NCAA prospect needs, college prospect rankings, CHL entry draft prospect rankings, all kind of fun stuff you can check out over there. We're also brought to you by Fractal Hockey Consulting, which is my business for hand-tracked player analysis and targeted recruitment packages dedicated to the NCAA, Europe, and anything your organization may need. And of course, scouching.ca, where you can subscribe for exclusive asset access to innovative data tools, with unparalleled insights into draft prospects and players making their mark in the NHL. Is that okay? Was that, was that good? No, do it again, okay. please. Oh, okay. So we're brought to you no, by fanatics. Okay. You can, <laughs> I didn't actually mean that. Come on, man. No, no, really? You didn't, you didn't mean that. Uh, anyway, uh, question time, question time, question time. I mean, the first comment right away, I can finally agree with your Hunter Bruce Devitt's take. I did find it very funny. Uh, well, funny in a way, seeing how many takes I saw of people, I don't know, maybe kind of kicking him on the way out a little bit, you know, the didn't believe in you anyway kind of thing, which did not, from my perspective, feel like the over overarching belief in Vancouver. But, you know, such is life. You know, that's the way it is sometimes. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. It's not impossible that he works out, but, you know, you know where I stand on it. Uh, wow. Someone also mentioned that they turn off the Bernie Mac show for this. That's an honor. Bernie Mac show rules. Rest in peace. Consta uh, Hellenius is a top 10 player in this draft. I mean, he's going to get drafted in the top 10. That's that, So yeah, you're probably right. Uh, he'll get drafted there. Um, this might be a bit early, but do you think the 2025 draft is better than 24? And do you think it'll be a big year for US and Sweden next year? I don't know if... I'm never comfortable saying that a draft in the future will be better than a draft that hasn't happened yet. Um, I will say that especially Sweden, I think has a significantly better crop of players coming next year. Anton Frondel, William Eklund's brother, Victor is going to be in the draft next year. Um, there's a lot of guys born in 2007 that are looking really good from what I've seen of Swedish hockey this year. Um, this year in Sweden, I don't think is as strong, um, but it's not bad. I don't think it's just not as strong as you would usually expect out of Sweden. Um, for the States, I mean, James Haggins is going to be the guy who gets all the attention next year. Haggins, I got asked where he might slot in this year on my draft rankings if he were eligible because uh, he is an 06-born kid. And I think I said somewhere around like four or five, maybe something like that. I'd, I just, I've seen quite a bit of Haggins and I just really like Celebrini, Katten, Lindstrom, and Demidov relative to him. Um, but he's certainly part of that group just kind of at the tail end. And outside of that, um, nobody else kind of jumps to mind as a top level guy, uh, for me next year, but I also 
can't say I have a incredibly deep knowledge and, and understanding of everybody for next year's draft, but you know, it looks like an okay group from what I've seen this year. Um, and especially you specified Sweden. I think Sweden's going to have a really good year next year. Uh, as a Canucks fan, I'm just glad we didn't trade like a Maki, Hoglander, or Willander. I mean, yeah, if you're trading any of those guys for what may very well be a rental, I think that that's way too much to offer. Um, so yeah, it makes sense. It's kind of like how San Jose didn't end up trading um, like William Eklund or Thomas Bordalo uh, when they got, um, what was it? Or no, other way around. Never mind. I'm, my brain's mixed up now, but in any case, uh, yeah, Kuzmenko's an electric player, probably a lot of fun for the Flames, and it was never going to work with Taka. I mean, that's true, and that was obvious, right? You could see that from just how he was playing and where he was playing and bouncing up up and down the up and down the board. Um, but I do, I mean, with Kuzmenko, I've always been a fan of his, going back to when he was in uh, the second division in Russia, like, years ago playing for the red army. Like I, I liked him a lot back then. And um, I really thought he would get drafted. But from what I was told at the time, he just told teams he wasn't coming over. He wanted to stay in Russia. Um, so nobody drafted him. I think Minnesota drafted the sort of guy he was. Um, I can't remember his name. It was like a sixth round draft pick, but they were sort of a one, two punch at the time. Um, and I liked Kuzmenko more, but Kuzmenko obviously went on to have a fantastic KHL career. I think in the right situation, you know, on, on the right team, he could be put in a role where he could perform very, very well. Um, I just don't think that was, that was Vancouver anymore, unfortunately. Um, so I'm hopeful for him in Calgary. We'll see what happens with him. And, and if they move him somewhere else and flip him for a pick or two or something like that, then I imagine it'll be somewhere where, you know, he'll, the, the team will want him not saying that Calgary doesn't, but I'm just hopeful. Um, quickly, Will. Dude, um, yeah, we had a super chat come in, and I oh, we did to mention it because I'm a bad okay. producer, but also Grav is now signed out of the chat, so take it easy. Alrighty, we'll <laughs> sounds good. Yep. Um, we got a super chat about what was it more perfect against McDavid than Slavin? Oh, I think that was in re in response to yes, um, Tyler Myers was it? I don't remember. Uh, I think it was in response to your like your hurricanes oilers final idea right 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 that's true um yeah canes and oilers are like opposite friends elite offense versus defensive brick wall that's true and that's also part of the reason i want to see it like i i just I, and also i mean carolina for some reason always i mean recently it's obvious why but like carolina has always had this sort of soft spot for me of you know, they're just a scrappy small market team that's won the Stanley Cup and like done it all. They had Archer Zerbe. Any team that ever had Archer Zerbe is good in my books. Um, so a Canes Oilers final and, would be noted, would be certainly nice. Um, member of my brother's gym, Jeff O'Neill. <laughs> yeah, that's actually Carolina true. Hurricanes legend. It's actually Carolina true, Hurricanes legend Jeff O'Neill. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, my brother goes funny. to the same gym as Jeff O'Neill, and he said hi to him once. <laughs> nice. But he won't. He won't dare bother him, <laughs> which I totally understand. Yeah, I would understand that too. He seems like a pretty big husky guy. But uh, anyway, yeah. Well, that's a, that's a good thing. That's a good thing to have on your on your resume. So you know what's goes funny? to the same. So gym. Jeff O'Neill yeah. actually grew up in King City and was in a class with my uncle. Like, so my family knows his family a little bit, and. Um, there was one time my uncle just stripped the puck off of him, like when Jeff wasn't trying, 
and Jeff like made an ass of my uncle. He's like, oh, Mark Chidero <laughs> takes the puck off Jeff O'Neill. And he was like, oh, you're so proud of yourself, eh, bud? <laughs> and so this day, uh, it's, sounds a like a hockey player. it's a legendary story in our family. Oh, boy. But yeah, well... they were classmates, my <laughs> uncle and Jeff O'Neill. Um, yeah. Uh, so Grav believes that Detroit has the brightest future. Detroit, sorry. Yes. I'm not sure that that's true. Who do you guys think has the brightest future this next decade? That's a tough one. It's always really hard. And the teams that everyone thinks have a really bright future generally, you know, turn out to be okay. I mean, I'd throw Seattle in there. I think Seattle has done a really good job getting off the ground. Um, you know, I know this season hasn't quite gone to expectations and Shane Wright still hasn't quite been the Shane Wright everybody wants, but you know, they've got some really good options in the, in the, in the hopper on the way guys like Jagger Furcus. Furcus is having an astounding season. Um, Yanni Newman has been great every time I've seen him this year. David Goyette as well has had a pretty successful year in Sudbury. Um, Riker Evans is kind of making a name for himself a little bit, which is nice to see. I think Winnipeg is another one too, where they've slowly started to, you know, add some good talent all over the place and, and getting some good seasons out of guys like Chibrikov and Lambert. Um, but it's always really difficult with this, like on paper, on paper, uh, at least according to the sort of quote unquote models that I've developed, Anaheim is right up there. Uh, Columbus is right up there, but who knows what's going on with Columbus uh, beyond this season. I honestly have no clue. Um, clearly things are a little bit nutty. And I mean, we didn't talk about the David Yurichek thing at all, but what I will say about that, uh, it's been kind of talked to death, but um, a lot of people aren't really noticing the fact that his head coach in the NHL compared him to his 13 year old daughter wanting a car, which that's pretty ridiculous. That's pretty ridiculous to me. And I would never, ever, ever say that about an 18-year-old, 19-year-old kid trying to make the NHL or 20, however old he is. I just, I also think that that's ridiculous. And incredibly you know? rude. Yeah. Also You're like incredibly my 13-year-old daughter who yeah. wants a car. What? He called, it the, he called it the Amazon effect where you get everything whenever you want it. And it's like, bruh, this is the problem. Like, you just don't know how to communicate with younger people, clearly. Um, clearly, like, I don't know how, I don't know what Maybe goes through your mind saying something like that, that to the public. Like, look, Maybe. Look, look at what they had before. One coach trying yeah. to pick through your phone. Like, that'd be crazy. Like, no, yeah, you I can't mean, see my phone. What yeah, are the you fact talking that, about, man? Like, yeah, the fact that Columbus has, uh, that they thought that Mike Babcock in 2023 or 2024 was gonna, was a good idea. I, like, okay <laughs> like i don't know so we'll see what happens but I, I, yeah, they have the pieces to do well in the future but again they might i, I just have no idea anymore like but yeah. uh, anyway what you were gonna oh, say i was something. gonna pander to grav and say that i also really like dallas that way too true like yeah Stanko they've got bork right and their their yep. group is still pretty young too like yep, they've got older true. guys like joe pavelski tyler sagan jamie ben and now matt duchene but like Jason Robertson is not that old. Rupe Hintz, I think, is like 26. But, like, you look at Logan Stankoven and Maverick Bork coming up through the pipeline, and our boy Ayrton Martino is on that team, yep. if I remember correctly. I don't yes. know if he'll be a world beater. Well, Probably not. But he's like, he's still got, in college, but yeah. But, like, they've got interesting players and pieces for the future, right? And, like, I, I like – not because a lot of their future is current, 
but still, like there are guys that are going to age out and they're going to still be able to maintain a pretty competitive team, I think, as a result. Yeah, I mean, even like Leon Bixell's having a good year in the mm-hmm. AHL now that he's come back from injury. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think they have some some good options as well. Um, so yeah, I, I, and also Anaheim, like I said, mentioned earlier, like in the model or whatever, uh, they do have some good ones. I mean, Olin Zellweger, Leo Carlson, Pavel Minchikov, Cutter uh, Gauthier now. Um, Kerry Terrance is having a pretty good year as well on a team that is struggling. Um you know, Yegor Sidorov is scoring a ton, but they just have a lot of good, solid-looking players. Jacob Rowe is almost a point a game in the AHL, finally, so maybe that turns into something. Um, so to answer your question, it's just hard to answer. Uh, I think it's just hard to answer. I mean, but I'd probably throw Seattle in there, I guess, and I'm also biased because I just their arena experiences second to none. Um, what about Mullet? I know how much you love Mullet, Will. Well, I mean, you can't. No, mullet was just way better than I was expecting. I <laughs> I had a lot of fun there, um, and the environment was really really cool, and it was so jam packed full of people. But the the Seattle Arena is one of the most beautiful arenas I've ever been in, at least in North America. Um, it was it was it was awesome, and they had the the big glass window over the you know that looks out the back of the arena and all kinds of really cool stuff. It's just a really cool place to play. Lastly, I'll add um, Carolina because Carolina's always yeah, got Carolina, good players. As long as they got a farm team, <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice to have a farm team at some point. You know, like come on, that's not the case. It's a little nutty. No, yeah, exactly. Or like five different AHL teams, which yeah, totally weird to me. But in any case, they are certainly part of that group as well. Uh, I'm going to make a bet that the Canes will go after, t- st- instead of stereotypical deadline targets, acquire Kako and Brandstrom. I mean, maybe you're buying low on those guys. So maybe there's something there and maybe, I mean, Brandstrom would certainly bring a bit a pop to the, to the, to the defense that you called a brick wall. So I wouldn't be totally against it, especially because the price probably would be cheap on both those guys or cheaper than you would think. Um, yeah, as a Vancouver fan, I like everything about this trade with the cap flexibility. And that's exactly it. Like they valued a lot. Uh, it seems like they valued the money a lot. Um, the, the cap freedom that they're going to get out of this, you know, especially for a guy that like, if you have a guy on your team who's signed through next year and you don't really know what to do with them and it's over $5 million, then that could be problematic. So they kind of got out from under that problem pretty quick and made their team a little bit better doing so. Um, do you think Aaron Minetian will be a solid defenseman? I watched BC versus BU and he looked good. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Minetian was a guy who I think was among the higher ranked guys on my list that kind of slipped a little bit in the draft relative to what I thought was going to happen. Um, I've always really liked Aaron Minetian. Like if you kind of, we were talking a lot about Thomas Harley earlier in the show and there's not, I'm not saying that they're the same player, but there's a similar kind of strength and weakness there with him the footwork and the speed and in, in a straight line and the creativity and all that stuff is really high end with Manettian. Um, it's just sort of refining things defensively and, and sort of applying that footwork off puck and tracking play a little bit better and gap control a little bit better. It's, it's all kind of a work in progress with him, but you know, I had Manettian ranked not super high, but relatively high ish and, he slipped and at a certain point, I think he was one of the best players left on my board before he was drafted. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think that Manedian, you know, again, he's a guy that I felt was going to take a couple of years in college, but, uh, he's, he's come out, you know, so far so good. 
Um, a cackle for Spencer Knight trade. What say you? Um, probably. I don't no. know, man. <laughs> yeah, probably no. Right? Like goalies are weird, and maybe the Florida Panthers just broke Spencer Knight. I don't know. Maybe they maybe they gave him too much too fast, and that's a hard thing to get over. Um, but I don't know. Um, I don't think I do that again. Like it, like. I don't understand why you sell low on a guy like Kako. He has like three points this year and AJ, you and I were watching him a little while ago. He's not bad. No, he's fine. He's not, he's, he's a fine player. It's just, he's, it's just not, the puck's not going in and things aren't just really breaking his way. And yeah, like you're selling him. It's the tale of the highly regarded finish forward. Will the cautionary tale. Yep. We've seen it before. Patrick yep. Lyonne, Jesse Pugliarvi, Capo Caco. And like these well, they, guys are not bad players, but they're they're val like they're evaluated like they're gonna be superstars when they come into so, the league. Well, that's the thing too, is they put Caco in the NHL literally day one, which to me is bonkers. And he's like, been there the whole time. He's been there the whole time. Hasn't played an an AHL game ever, which is insane to me. Like uh, the Rangers have done this with a few guys. They just take them and stick them right in the NHL. Leah Sanderson, Vitaly Kravtsov, Kako, yes, Lafreniere. Enjoy yeah. trying to figure Enjoy. out what to do while our and then fans it's like are David, screaming at you for not yeah. being good enough. <laughs> David Quinn think? is your head what do they coach. Think like going to happen. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's crazy to me. I was shocked, kind of, to see Kako just step right into the NHL after what I remember of him at the time, um, but. You know, he had, and again, 22 goals and 16 assists the year he was drafted. What is it that I say about guys that score more goals than they assist? It's, it's, it's almost a law at this point that that's, that that's kind of an issue that needs to be explored. Um, although I will forgive it in a few cases this Unless year, just because I'm Boston Matthews, but that's, or Caden Lindstrom. <laughs> well, it's like, there or, are very clear exceptions. Yes, there are. You have yeah, to, but you have to watch. You have to yes, watch have hockey to, to, to see Yes, it. you do. But like this yeah. is why I think you're much lower on a guy like Costa Alanius because yep. he plays very well in Liga. Yeah. But I watched Liga today watching Yanni Yermo play, and it is not a good league, and he did not no, look it is great. Not. <laughs> oh, also, uh, while we're talking about Liga, I have to shout out Tony Ferrari. Uh, that guy got into Finnish sports news today, by the way. I don't know if you saw this, AJ. Well, that's awesome. Good for Tony. He had an article. He had an article written about him in Finnish, uh, and it was basically an article saying that Canadian makes fun of Finnish hockey, and it was that clip that he posted. I don't know if you saw it on Twitter, and it was amazing. It was incredible. They, they, the, the one team was doing a flying V, or they tried to do a flying <laughs> V, which I don't know what that's all about, and the other team had all five guys it it standing still in their offensive zone and the other team was just standing still below the goal line for what felt like 15 seconds while I don't know what was happening, but it, it's like we were, we were chatting about this privately, Tony and I, and it's like, well, why don't you just send a guy into the neutral zone and just flip the puck down the ice, like, and beat them with speed. Like, because what are you waiting for? Bad. Like, <laughs> like Brad sure, Lambert. Right. Sure, exactly. <laughs> but like it's such a great example of how how different things are in some other places. Like it's I I have never in my life seen an NHL four check be basically a five zero trap, but in the offensive zone. Like 
Never in my life have I seen that. And I don't think it would work for at all in the NHL. Like it was crazy. Nope, would not. Um, so to see, so to see Tony clip that and put it on the internet and it kind of caught on a little bit. And now he's in the Finnish news. Uh, I stand uh, with Tony Ferrari. I it's really, it's Tony really Ferrari. funny. So I just had to shout that out. That out. I, I don't have the link on hand to post it in the chat, but it's a, it's a great piece of internet content. If you're a hockey geek, like, uh, like us, um, so shouts out to Tony Ferrari. Uh, did your you guys favorite, see that Alex? Oh, sorry, your favorite our, our, bald draft analyst. Yeah, he's my favorite bald draft analyst. That's very true. Yeah. Uh, did you guys see that <clears throat> that Alex Turcott scored his first NHL goal last night? I did. Yep. And it was it. a nice goal too. Nice little finish. Um, you know, you, uh, he had a nice little finish on that goal. Um, I'm happy for him. I mean, he's always been pretty good. It's just, we've been saying it for years. He's always just had season-ending injuries or season-harming injuries pretty much every year since he was drafted. Um, but always, always, always a high IQ guy who had skill, had the pace in his game, knew when to deploy it and how. Um, there was a reason why he was highly more highly regarded than a guy like Trevor Zegras, and it's because he kind of seemed to understand the game at a higher level than Zegras. Zegras was more of the flashy, you know, skill first guy who could just sort of force the puck into the net one way or the other. Whereas Turcotte was a lot more tactical and more, 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 um, you know, more IQ focused, I guess you could say. Um, and finally, hopefully, hopefully if he is the savior of the LA King season, then good for him. But, uh, you know, it's kind of like their he's kind of like their new Gabe Velarde story, hopefully, where he just sort of slowly works his way back into the NHL uh, and slowly starts to get back into the into the role people thought he could be. Because look at Gabe Velarde now with the Winnipeg Jets, unfortunately, but look at him now. He's, he's doing great. Um, <laughs> Brock Nelson, Brock Faber and Brock Besser are all of the best Minnesota players named Brock. I mean, clearly. Clearly, there's something in the water. If if in Minnesota, if you're naming your kid Brock, maybe the government finds out and sends you a care package of whatever it is that Broccoli. makes good hockey players there. Broccoli, wow, good one. I like that. That's good. That was funny. Um, I mean, maybe maybe just like a massive lifetime supply of broccoli, um, just to keep that Brock to my going. Brother, because he calls oh. Brock Nelson Broccoli Nelson just for fun. So that's why I was able yeah. to come up with that so fast. Well, all right, there we go. Yep. Um, yeah, someone else mentions that Brock Faber is the only thing good about the defense. Brodeen's okay. I mean, that's not wrong. That defense in Minnesota is a problem. Uh, their goaltending is also a problem, it seems. But, uh, Philip Gustafson's yeah. good, but... He's been all right, yeah. injuries, and yep. Andre Fleury is, what, 41? Old, yeah. Yep. It's... It is weird. He's the he's the modern day Terry Sawchuk playing until he's like forty eight years old. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but yes, I agree very much with that sentiment. Um, a lot of talking about Minnesota there. <laughs> Someone mentioned Zesty Morton Doritos. Um, that's not this color. These are the, this is the Cool Ranch. Um, but Zesty Morton, good uh, Trailer Park Boys shout out. You know, good stuff. Um. No, unfortunately, this jersey is not a tax write-off. It is not a business expense. It was a personal one, so sad face. But maybe I'll try. I don't know. But if the CRA is listening, they're probably not going to like that very much. Um, how did Finland, with their current system, spit out a star defenseman like Haskinen? Well, it's not like it's not like everyone in Finland is bad. It's just it 
it's the importance of watching players. Like it's the importance of actually seeing how they play and how the NHL works. Yeah, like there's right? tons like, of good Finnish players. Miko Rantanen's yeah. probably a top 10 player. Sasha Barkov is a guy that's, I don't think quite there as a top 10 guy, but he's not far out. There, no. there are good players from Finland. It's just a lot of what Finnish guys, like a lot of Finnish scouts value is stuff that works in Liga. At least that's what right. I I feel like I've seen over the past couple of years. Because I, when I was at Dauber, I tried so desperately to get Brad Lambert up on our rankings. And I was just told he's not very good in Liga. And it may, the more I thought about that, the more I realized, well, it's because league is not good. <laughs> like, well, it just wasn't a good fit for him. Right. And you could tell, like I spoke that year, I spoke to so many people about Brad Lambert and Joachim Kamel. And like, it, it was so funny because th th these people were like, well, I don't know if Lambert's like, you know, that good like he's kind of overrated and blah 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 and i'm like okay but if brad lambert's in the chl how many points is he scoring and the person was like i don't know 90 I'm like okay and if joachim kamel's in the chl how much is he scoring and he's like well how good is his team like is he on the power play and it's like well there's your answer right like you don't you're not sure because there's holes in his game and you like so why is one the guy and the other guy not the guy right like it it if you're so sure that this guy's going to come to North America and do well, even if it's on junior ice, then, you know, like it doesn't make any sense to I, me. I think it comes so, down to that. They're playing against men will, and they value that pretty highly, which I understand, but it's sure, just like the league is just not a very intense league. It's really not like well, there's, there's so certain... much time to do whatever you yes. want. And the, there's a certain there's... type of player that thrives there for sure. And yes. and also like some of the stuff I've seen at Liga, like with the lower end players in that league is shocking. Like the low, the, the poor quality players at that level are really like, I've seen them like defensemen breaking pucks out. Like part of the problem with Brad Lambert is when he was with Yveskala, they were just giving him the puck at the defensive blue line on breakouts. And he would just take it to the offensive end himself, just do everything himself with Pelicans, they didn't put him in that role. They just kind of put him on the wing and everybody skated at the same speed up the ice. Or if like they, he would swing around for a breakout pass and no one would pass it to him. I've seen, I've seen defensemen send breakout passes off the heel of their stick and it gets intercepted in the middle of the ice and put on net for a scoring chance. Like just flubs and weird plays and weird tactics and all this stuff that would be completely foreign to an NHL hockey fan. Um, and our buddy David and, Phillips mentioned yesterday about how yep. Liga goalies are kind of bad, like in yes. comparison to like, so a lot of really low danger chances will beat them. Joachim Kamel, like that's what he was doing, right? Um, there were many eclipses I pulled up <laughs> and I was sending them to him like, how is this guy rated so high? And it was just him taking a point shot low speed beat a goalie like legitimately very low speed yeah. and it just trickle in they're like they're a bunch of vesitoskalas <laughs> yeah i mean once in a while you get a fantastic finish goalie but it's that's like anywhere right like that's like anywhere else so to me uh, it's not yeah it's not as simple as like and i don't mean to come off like oh finland sucks you know that's not at all what's happening it's just it's a great example of what why context matters and like 
where where what situation is a player in how who, where what what's happening around them what type of players are they playing with um how are they generating their results like with consta Hellenius, his pass volumes are really low his rate of shot assist is really low his involvement in transition is pretty low but he's efficient but he gets his shot attempts he gets to the net he gets his chances he knows where to put himself to get scoring chances but to me, that's at that level for a guy who's 5'10 and a center or 5'11 and a center, that's not super valuable. Like that's not that that's not a package of stuff that makes me go top 10 guy. I want him right away, especially when I see him ahead of guys like Berkeley Catton or something, right? Like, again, you watched Berkeley Catton not too long ago. Someone good. asked a question. Someone asked a question later. Why is he getting ranked lower than five? Honestly, I have no answer for you. I don't. Five foot ten. I don't have an answer. Sure, but even then, I still don't have an answer for you. Like, to me, he's Clayton Keller, basically. Like, he's very, like, the skill level and the skill level at pace and the ability to change pace and change speed and just just control play, you know? Like, Berkeley Catton is a controller, and I don't really care how big he is, really. I mean, maybe that's a comment that bites me in the butt, but he's not that small. Like, he's not tiny. Um, so, for me, it's just a matter of, He's a really smart and really talented player. He has everything you could possibly want, except maybe like elite level speed. Um, and he's not, you know, a, he's not a banger in the defensive end, but I don't like, who cares? Even if you figure that out, he's still on pace for like a hundred points in the uh, WHL. So even if you do have criticisms, what if he figures it out? What if he gets there? Um, but and, in any case, I, I don't have a good a answer. Real possibility you will too. Like I saw a bit of him. And just his reads are really good. Like he's his anticipation of the play and just kind of figuring out where to put his stick does a pretty good job. So I don't see why he wouldn't be a bad defensive player in the NHL. Yeah, for sure. And it's 100%. Like he's a Even burner, if not. as you mentioned, but yeah, he's got enough to get by at a level that's good. Absolutely. Enough. Yeah. Unlike Absolutely. Uh, Costa Hellenius. Right? Like, <laughs> well, I, yeah. I look, and again, with him. I, we talk about him a lot, but that's because I hear so much about him and I've watched so much of him and I just, I can't, I'd be dishonest if I said what everyone else was saying about him. I don't know. Maybe that's, I'm crazy. Maybe I'm out of my mind, but I, the times when I felt out of my mind relative to people like this, to this point, generally my instincts are somewhat correct, right? I felt out of my mind by defending Brad Lambert the whole season and he's turned out to be pretty darn good so far. I felt out of my mind putting Elias Pettersson at number two, I think, or number three on my board that year um, when he was so, so good at the second division in Sweden. Um, so in any, I don't know, it's 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 when I, I feel like I have a threshold, I don't know what to call it, like like insanity threshold where it's like I've seen a player so many times and I have this opinion on them that, is so ingrained where it's like, I, I just have to go with it. Like I have, I just, I feel like I'm just crazy, but I can't lie to myself. I can't, I can't go out of my way to, 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 you know, change my mind um, or just say what other people are saying. But anyway, uh, thoughts on Sasha Boisvert. What players he most like compare Hage and Boisvert. So again, like comparisons for a guy like Boisvert, I can't, I don't, I don't know. Cause like he has physical development to do. He's not the best defensive player. Like he doesn't look like an NHL player yet, um, but he has the tools that could get him there. Right. Like he's a smooth skating guy. He's got size. I think he's like six, two, six, three. 
Um, really good release on his shot. I find that he can sort of skate into too much pressure. He can um, rely a little bit too much on his shot. Um, just not a guy who can control a possession as much. He kind of just seems to be, I'm going to take the puck into the offensive end and just put it on net. Um, but uh, he does have really good pace in his game. He's he's a guy who follows play really well. Um, and he transports the puck pretty well as well. Like he's, he's a good player. Um, you know, as a guy in the mid to late first. Yeah. I don't think he's a good, he's a good bet to be a middle six, maybe good third line center that can, that can eat minutes and, and score some goals. Um, but Hage, on the other hand, I mean, Hage doesn't really have the, the, the fluid and the, the fluid sort of speed that Boisvert has, but he's more skilled. Um, I think he's a much better passer. Uh, you know, Hage is a guy who the more I see, the more I like. Um, the only thing with Hage is that he's kind of slow a little bit, like in terms of getting up the ice himself and getting going and, and having that escape speed. Boisvert kind of has the size and the, and the speed to sort of separate himself from guys, but not so much Hage. But Hage has a really good mind for dumping pucks out of danger onto teammate sticks and his ability, we talked about it in the ranking show Monday night, but his ability to put pucks off the boards and take really weird sort of uh, like a, like he's a good billiards player kind of thing. And just finding creative ways to get pucks out of traffic and into ice and, and hit targets and just a lot of fun little stuff out of him that I've seen over the year, but he's a guy I also haven't seen in a while, um, but he's been moving up my list all year. Um. <laughs> Ray bro. Okay. So again, graphic design, shout out to Ray bro. Thank you very much, buddy. Uh, esteemed member. Yeah. Thanks for doing AJ's job. Uh, esteemed member of the discord community. Um, hot take teammates should not be on the same team for the all-star game. I, like I don't mind. I like that take. I don't mind that take at all. Uh, it's, you know, it, it, name a better combination than NHL marketing and, and being kind of lazy, but yeah, like they just pair up the guys that play with together or, you know, they couldn't make the, the Hughes brothers opposing captains, right? Like make it more of a rivalry thing. Um, but would you have know, been derailed just, anyways, but yes, of course. Yeah. It would have been derailed, but um, like, yeah, it just would have been a very interesting experiment to see that. I'm also just, I'm still very annoyed that there's only one defenseman in the draft available period. Like there are more goalies than defensemen that they're going to draft, which is so crazy to me. Quickly, because I saw uh, this come yep. in during, like, right after I had rolled our graphic and music. Mm -hmm. um, I don't even know what the actual song is that we play under all of our graphics and B-roll, but um, it's from the royalty-free library, so it's all good. Yeah, yeah, YouTube's royalty-free library. Um, being a guy who has worked on the YouTube side of the world for many years, if you're thinking about, I say this all the time, if you're thinking about making YouTube content, don't use music that is copyrighted. Use whatever is on YouTube's audio library. If you really have to have music, trust me. Because, yeah, the last thing you want is a really good piece of content you make with copyrighted music in it to go turbo on YouTube and another company gets all the ad revenue. Um, yeah, you can sucks. complain about it all you like, but it's the te technically it's a better option than you getting sued. It's a better option for everybody than getting sued. It's and it's the same principle. So yep. just do it. There's a reason, the library is pretty good. There's a reason I sang Hallelujah when William Nylander was yes. signed instead it's of copyright getting, free. Uh, Yeah, it's copyright free. Yeah. God God sorry, doesn't Handel have Messiah. a right. 
yeah, God doesn't have a right to copyright much, it seems. Exactly. There's no representative for God. And those are God songs. Um, <laughs> so you're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. For my voice. Yeah. Uh, okay, and then, now Raybro comes in with a terrible take with uh, Evan Bouchard is better than Connor McDavid. Well, yeah, that, that's that's bait. That's bait right there. Um, I know we're cap strapped, but oh, we're t- there's a lot of talk about the Minnesota Wild in the chat. Good for them. I mean, go go wild, go. I suppose. Um, <laughs> Grav's hair routine. Yeah, he, he didn't tell us. No, he, he didn't answered, tell us what that was. Oh, he did. Okay. Foray. Shampoo, conditioner, and a comb. Well, good, good, good to know. Um, have you seen Roman Shokrin? I have, David. Uh, I have seen him. Um, he's a big skatey boy. I mean, I think he should get drafted. He's flirted with my list here and there. I just think he's a big term, big time project, right? Like he's a big guy who can skate, not a very hard, crisp passer from what I've seen. Stays very, very passive. Like if you like a Matvey Shurovin and don't get him, then maybe a Roman Shokrin is a good backup. But I mean, yeah, if you want to bet on size and skating, and I think he's pretty young, especially too for the draft. Um, but again, like if I'm ranking a guy, it's got to be someone who, if he's there and he's near the top of my list, I'd be happy to pick him. And I feel like if I had Shokrin on the list, there probably would never be a point where he'll be sort of close to the top of the list of guys to draft. But if he doesn't get drafted, um, certainly a guy that I'd keep an eye on um, because, you know, these Russian guys, they, they do end up playing more and more over the years. Um, but Shokrin is, I'll, I'll take another look at Shokrin for sure before the end of the year. Cause I do find him kind of intriguing. Um, but yeah, big gating guy who has a quite a lot of work to do in the, in the other areas, it seems. Uh, which teams do you think have the best development when it comes to players? Oh, Boston, Boston's ability to have a system and have expectations and have an environment where guys can just come up and play and they win. Like how many times have we looked at Boston's drafts and the guys that Boston, you know, signs out of college and signs to play in the AHL or whatever, or what, you know, like, and then they end up being actually kind of solid role players for the Boston Bruins, right? Like they lost Patrice Bergeron. They technically, I mean, they're not what they were last year, but they haven't really missed a step. They're still top of the division. They're the best team in the East. So Something's going well there. I mean, I, you, you can clown on the Bruins and their and their overall drafting all you want. Um, they aren't the particularly best performers in the data set that I have, but it doesn't. I, I don't think. I, I don't think they're super concerned. Like, is Andre Gasso going to leave Boston College and be a fourth line center for the Boston Bruins one day? I mean, I can't. I, I trust them enough. <laughs> yeah, not not only that, but he's a guy who I could see that happening, where it's like they just put him in the AHL and leave him for a while, and you know, they they just seem to have a grasp of of what's going on there. Um, so I think that's the the easiest answer I'd throw out there, just because of how much they managed to continue to 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 get stuff out of their young players. Just wait for um, Fabian, everybody. Just wait. Yeah, Fabian Liesel. Um It's gonna score a hundred yeah. points. I promise. I promise. This is not me. <laughs> this is not me coping at all. Mm-hmm. He'll score he's 70. coming. He'll score seven. One day he's coming. Yeah, one day. One day he's coming. Um, I mean, you can't really say Carolina. They have a lot of good young players, but they don't have an AHL team, and that's kind of, to me at least, very important. Um. For, for building an NHL roster, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, the Rangers are definitely the worst 
as we discussed the, earlier. Yeah, the Rangers are having a go, yeah, a bit of a rough go. But they have good players um, that they bring it up, like Keandre Miller's pretty yeah. good. Well, that's the thing. You know, the Rangers for a while there, they drafted a lot. And so they have some good players that, that they've had in the hopper for a while. But a lot of their just guys, a matter of those, like a lot of their yeah. best guys are guys they brought in. Artemi Panarin, yep. Yep. free agent. Adam Fox bounced around to two different developments. He wanted, teams. well, he wanted to be a Ranger. Exactly. He he wanted to be part of your team. And, and, <laughs> and how further, how much further behind would they be without Adam Fox? Quite a lot. Quite a lot. Probably. Their goaltending development, awesome. All right, that's like, yep, that's the thing they get right. But a lot of what they do is not great. Yep. I mean, you also the last thing I'll say too before moving on, you better hope that for all the money they put into it, that Toronto is up there. Um, They have like eight hundred assistant GMs and development coaches, and like everybody i know is a development coach for the toronto maple leafs and so even me you would hope yeah even even aj yeah believe it or not but uh that's another team that i think they they put a lot of resources into that area of things um and they've even draft like recently they've drafted guys where they're gonna depend on their development group to bring them along guys like fraser minton and easton cowan where they're very iq first very very sort of mindset first and the rest needs to develop so we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, Toronto, I think, is another team I'd throw in there. But um, yeah, most realistically, probably Boston. Um, do, 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 do. Oh, I like the Swedish-Austrian guy, Jakob Izwozniak. Yeah, I know he's scoring a lot of points. I was watching him the other day, and I don't think it's like incredibly projectable but he has been very good um i'm trying to think of the 07s in sweden that that i've really liked um so i'm going to stall for time by answering the next question before circling back porter martone in this draft where would he go um i love porter martone yeah in my heart one but probably somewhere in the range of i don't know seven or eight something in there like i think luke misa drives a lot of that bus but porter martone is an excellent excellent player around the around the net uh, an excellent finisher. Um, so I might throw him in there, uh, as well in that, in that range, I should say. Um, so let's see 2025 for Sweden, I think has a lot of good ones. Um, yeah. Philip Ekberg is another one that I've liked, uh, in Sweden. Um, Mikkel Eriksson was playing in Sweden. He's a Norwegian, uh, and he's gone home to play for Valerenga and, uh, that's the bet they're they're basically like the top team in norway in terms of uh of of well i don't know what the word would be assets um to sort of help young players they're they're one of the more well-funded teams in norway um oh there's a goalie next year lowe harenstam uh who's also been very very good uh playing for for sweden um but yeah i mean i like eric nielsen as well the defense or the forward for uda uh, so there's quite a few, um, but yeah, next year's draft does look pretty good um, now that I'm scrolling through this list. And uh, I don't know if there's a guy I'd point out immediately to be like the guy next year, but it looks like a pretty good, uh, pretty good group of players. Um, next up, we've got, uh, oh yeah, the, yeah. So the first one was about Haskinen. Um <laughs> Jeff goes to the gym. He does. <laughs> he actually does. He does. Yes. My brother goes a lot and jeff yeah. o'neill's there every day my brother's there somehow yeah he's working at it man good on him yeah uh 
we know Faber and Bedard are the one, two, and Calder voting most likely. Yeah, that's probably true. Fantilli is injured now, so who goes three? Uh, mine Adam was Carlson. Because I love Adam Fantilli. Yeah, I still stick with Leo Carlson right now. Um, because he's really good. Yeah, it's probably Carlson Are we finally... who walks in the, or takes that spot. Sorry to interrupt yeah. you, Will, for the no, it's eighth okay. time today. Hey, I interrupt you a hundred times a day. Uh, are we finally past the era where star Russian players like Kaprizov are picked late in the draft due to teams fearing they won't come over? Well, yeah, I, I, that never was an era, right? Like in reality, that never was an era. Kaprizov came; he just came later than usual. Um, when players get drafted, generally, they all come over if they're worth having over. So I, I just don't think that was ever an era, really. Um, maybe 20 years ago, but yeah, no, I don't think so. Um, if David Yurchek can just get through the season, he'll probably get top line minutes next year under the new regime. I think everything in Columbus is repairable if changes are made. I agree. I very much agree with that. I'm not saying David Yurchek should be traded or anything. Um, but it is kind of, his coach said some pretty embarrassing stuff about him, <laughs> which is, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, uh, <laughs> the Finnish ops are coming for Tony. Pray for my boy. Yeah, I got to pray for him. Um, you said slanderous things about our yeah, Okay. Are we going to send our Finnish spy after you? We only have one. He's not busy, but now he will be busy. <laughs> no, uh, they, defi they definitely have busy spies. That's sure true. They're all Russian, in like making sure that there's no Russian. That's true. They got a lot of Finnish people in Russia, probably. Um. Anyway, uh, let's not go there. Uh, did you watch the Alexander Dag doc on Prime? I did. I will talk about this for an hour if you let me. Um, I loved it. Most of it. Uh, I thought it kind of crammed a whole bunch in at the end. That was also very interesting about his career. Um, but I think especially if you're a draft guy and, or even if you are really interested in getting a really good perspective of what it's like to be an elite young athlete in a, in a certain world, right? It, it's a really great snapshot of a, of a situation like that um, where Daigle was just in a way, I think ahead of his time um, just in terms of who he was as a person, how he behaved, um, how the NHL was at the time, you know, this was the era, like, I can't tell you how insane the NHL was for a while there uh, in the nineties leading up into the, into the first lockout. Um it just was not built for a guy like Daigle, both socially and sort of on the ice. Um, and he was a target pretty much right away. And the Ottawa Senators, like, they were awful. And they did not surround him with very much that made them less awful. And they only really kind of got better after that because they just had so many good young players like Daniel Alfredson and Alex Alexa Yashin. Um and I just think that those guys also kept a lower profile, at least Yashin for a while, kept a lower profile than Dag did. Like he was sort of out and about on the town, going out for food, and he was a paparazzi guy. And uh, it was it was a lot for an 18, 19-year-old guy. They paid him 
an exorbitant amount of money day one, and that automatically put the fans against him. I put a lot of it put honestly, it put a lot of other players against him. It seems where other teams and players sort of saw that and were like, okay, well, now that's the barometer, right? Like now you've sort of changed the expectations for what we need to give rookie players before they prove anything and blah, blah, blah. It was just all a big mess. Um, so it's a great documentary. I highly recommend checking it out. Um, it's only 45 minutes long. And, you know, it, it talks about, you know, like it really sort of pokes a lot of holes in a lot of the stereotypes, I guess you could say, or preconceived notions about Alexander Dig that are out there. Like, it talks a lot about how his family is, you know, how he is as a person. Um, and he's being very honest about how his experience in the NHL really affected him, right? Like, it's like David Yerichek being told he's like a 13-year-old girl. It's like, well, Alex Dague was basically, after having the best year of his career, pulled aside and said, we don't want you scoring points anymore. You're a defensive guy. I can't imagine what that's like. Look, he's had such a tough career goes to a much better situation where he can be supplementary offense and go from there has a great year. And then they're just like, we don't like your attitudes. You're a defensive forward now. I like that. That would, that like he's, he, I think he says in the documentary, he's like, that kind of broke me. Like that kind of made it like not fun to play hockey. And that's a big reason why he, he left the game very early before coming back to Minnesota. Uh, given Columbus are likely to move Provorov. What do you think expectations should be for Matejchuk rookie season next year? I would not pencil Denton Matejchuk into the NHL roster next year. I, I would certainly not hand him second pair NHL minutes yep. next year. That is way too much for a guy like that. Like you watched him at the World Juniors. If he had the puck in the offensive zone, he was great. Without the puck in his own end, which is where a lot of this matters, which is to me where Yurichek has been good. That's where he kind of struggles. Um, Again, I, I, in my opinion, if I were running an NHL team in 2024, pretty much every single player doesn't just jump straight to the NHL, I would say, unless they absolutely blow your freaking mind in the NHL preseason. It's just not worth the risk. And the last thing you want is a dejected young player. You know, Matejchuk is talented. Not going to deny that. He's a skilled player talented for talented defenseman. I almost said forward because he basically, he basically plays like is. one. <laughs> yeah. But, but boy, is that, yeah, I, I, and I've seen this happen every single year. This, this guy scoring a lot of points is going to be on our second pair or on our second line next year. This guy's going to blah. And it, it's just coaches. Don't just do that. They don't just go, okay, now is your time. Enjoy. Right. Like maybe he'll start the year there. Maybe. Doubt but it, I man. just, yeah. I doubt it. And I feel like a guy like that, you got to bring along. Especially slowly Pascal but surely. Vincent. Especially Pascal Vincent. There is yeah, exactly. no way. No way. Yeah. Yeah. And even then, if let, let's say in there is like, we actually end up living that out and that happens. What's the saying, Will? Set the Kobe bar low. <laughs> Because yeah. I don't think it's going to be that great. Well, yeah, it's like, why? And why is there this rush? Like, why Why is there this, like, we got to get this guy in the NHL right now. He's a second pair defenseman. He's going to do this. He's going to do this. It's like, Columbus sucks. Let, let, the him, NHL, let, him, let him develop. The, yeah, and the NHL is really, really, really hard. It's it's really good. It's like, ridiculously It's difficult. ridiculously hard. Like, and, Jack yeah. Hughes took three years to sort of find his stride. Nathan McKinnon took like two years to find his stride. Like, and then had a there is no song. rush. <laughs> yeah, like there's no rush whatsoever on this. Um, 
But yeah, like but yeah, we're I mean, getting yeah. spoiled with three players who can do it. Yes. Actually four. But like how much have we heard of Zach Benson recently? Or has he been sent down yeah. and I'm just dumb? No, he's still noticed. kicking around. He's been good, but like I think everybody's just kind of over the over the sabers. Yeah. Um, right? Like it's it's very difficult to yeah. to be an impactful player in the NHL when you're 18 or 19 years old. Very few can yeah. do it. And yeah. we got extremely lucky with three to four guys who were doing it this year, but it's not a norm. And a lot of guys need three, four years before they get in. Yeah. Even the first rounders. Exactly. Um, <laughs> someone says Catton is closer to Celebrini than fifth overall to me. You and me both, man. Catton is to me, one of two guys that maybe challenges Macklin Celebrini maybe at the end of the day. Um, he's awesome. Was thoughts about your, I uh, was curious about your thoughts on Carter George. Uh, honestly, again, prefacing this with I'm trying to learn more about goaltending this year. I haven't been hugely enamored with Carter George, but I'm not going to pretend like I know everything. Um, I feel like there are other goaltending options, especially when you consider like the global market for goaltending. I feel like if someone wants to take Carter George at 38th overall, I'll let them and I'll draft some guy from Russia or something in the seventh round. Um, there's a guy that's just starting to get going in the KHL. Um, Sergey Ivanov, he's been great. Late round pick. Um, there's a few of them. And I, there's always, you know. And also, I just never trust Canadian goaltending, ever. I just, I don't. So for me, you know, just play the numbers, play the odds, draft someone else. But that doesn't mean he's bad. I just, you know, there are other guys I'm more interested in. Um, have you seen Elliot Gronewald? Uh, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, I, I don't think so. Um, played in Canadian high school though, the last couple of years. So that's, that's fun, but no, I have not seen him. So I'll check him out. Thoughts on Michael Misa. I mean, Michael Misa's great. He's a great, uh, you know, skilled offensive forward. Um, I, I still feel like, you know, did he deserve exceptional player status? I don't really care. Um, but you know, he's been good for Saginaw this year. I would expect him to be one of the top picks next year. Um, you know, maybe first overall, I think I, I would put him and Hagen's, you know, right up there. Um, but they're both good players. Um, and again, like it's still very early, uh, but you know, it seems like he's, you know, I'm not sure he is the sort of ex, uh, exceptional player level of like a Sidney Crosby type pick next year, but he should be highly productive and highly regarded next year for sure. Uh, Favorite three players to watch in each league, each CHL league, US and NCAA. Jesus, that's like 15 players. Yes, uh, it is, Will. Time's yeah. ticking. You got 10 seconds. Answer. Uh, okay, well, I'll lump the CHL together because I can't give you a good answer for Quebec. Um, I think Marcus I only have one Kiersey. guy. That's it for you. Well, I, I actually did another game of him today and he was quite good, so I'll take that. Um yeah, favorite three players to watch. Oh, not necessarily draft eligibles. I mean, most of the time I'm watching draft eligibles um, this year. So, I mean, you didn't mention AHL, but I would say Stankoven and Bork in the AHL this year have been great. Um, I love watching Andrew Basha. Uh, Liam Greentree is also a ton of fun to watch. Um, and just say Kiersey because that gives – Yeah, Marcus Kiersey. Yeah, sure. We'll say that. Now, um, SHL and NCAA, Will. Yep. 
Oh, God. Just give, uh, one. Just give one for me. John, like, John Mustard, obviously, in the USHL is a good one. Um, yeah, I'd say John Mustard. We're talking guys I've seen a lot of recently, and most guys in the USHL aren't. Uh, there, was a, there was a defenseman in the USHL that was an 07 for Sioux Falls that caught my eye, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he looked pretty good the game I saw. Oh, and I, I throw Kuzma Voronin in there. He's super skilled, super fast, and super fun, but I don't know if he's going to be anything, but he's fun. And NCAA better be Oliver Moore, Will. Better be Oliver Moore. I just haven't seen a ton of him in the NCAA, but sure, because he's been on an absolute rip since coming back from uh, from the World Juniors. I think he's got like two points a game or something. Um, Do you think Daigle was, wor- was a worse bust than Yakupov overall? Well, if you want to talk, like... To me, Nail Yakupov is everything people have accused Alex Daigle of being like in, over his whole career. Like Yakupov was very publicly arrogant uh, and he did so on purpose. And I, again, I think he just went to just about the worst environment for a player like that, where, you know, again, like we feel like hockey culture has changed a little bit, but there are still many, many markets and many, many people who think that fun is bad. Um, and having fun is bad and being a little cocky and a little confident is a bad trait to have in your personality. And that sets you in a different league than a lot of other people who might, you know, shut up more and just play. Um, if anything, Alex Daigle was just a lost 18 year old kid who had no guidance, um, and nothing around him. Like he was saying in that documentary, like, Hartford had the second pick overall and they took Chris Pronger and they had like Brendan Shanahan. Like he was kind of sitting there kind of like saying, you know, I was kind of hoping that Hartford would be a place I went because they had guys there that had been there and, and been around the block and played a few years and could help because Ottawa didn't have any of that. They were just a bunch of third liners at the time and third line hockey players in 1992, 1993, the boy our modern day fifth uh, liners pretty much and so <laughs> for him he was like it's different because i like again like you the reason i would say people watch it is because think about how like you have to think about these kinds of things psychologically like if you're 18 years old and you've been a superstar and then all of a sudden you're making money and like the weight of the world is on you to take the worst team probably ever and make them good again. And a Canadian franchise. And, no and a Canadian franchise, yeah. Especially and being French Canadian, like the entire province is just on the other side of the river in Ottawa. The entire province that has elevated you to superstardom um before he was like sixteen. Um but yeah, I mean I don't know. I, I don't again like the word bust always carries such a negative connotation in my mind. I just I look at a guy like Neil Yakupov who I think in the right scenario probably could have been a lot better and stayed a lot longer in one place. But I feel like Edmonton just saw him as the guy at one and went for it. And then they, then he showed up and did that. What was the thing he did? Was he the one that slid all the way out to center ice when he scored his first initial goal or something? If he did, that's awesome. He, he did something like that. And it was incredible. And I remember at the time people like, who's this punk kid wearing 64 sliding around the ice just because he scored a goal. Like what a loser. And I'm sitting there like, yeah, like this is why hockey is falling behind. 
because people look at that and go, that's not good. That's a bad thing for the sport. And it's like, okay, like, okay, fine. Like, do you not like making money? Do you not like when fans have fun? Okay. Like that. All right. I'd Let, be hated. We got to live with I'd that. Be, I'd be so hated. Exactly. So been, would I. If I, if so I had would been I. A, a talented hockey player, I would have been despised because I yeah. am just a little rat effer. That's and there's I also, am. and I, I would, I would be the most celebratory. I was a sore <laughs> loser as a kid, like I. Well, that's you know, and that's that's what happens. They're they're well. There's also that kids, line, man. Yeah, there's that line of competitiveness, right? If you're competitive, the NHL loves it. But if you're so competitive that you get upset when you lose and whatever, then there's a line where people go, okay, no, but he's he's too unstable. You know, he's too emotional or whatever. <laughs> right. But, but, but it's like, well, I would rather that than someone who doesn't care about losing. Right. Oh, so like William someone who just, will? exactly. <laughs> like someone who's just kind of like, you know, we tried, it, it sucks, but we tried, you know, like, I don't know. It just didn't go our way. It's like, no, like I want someone out there being like, are you guys effing dumb? Like we're here to win. We're being paid to win. Like wh what are we doing here? Um, but like again, that's another thing where it's like there's a line. It's like beyond that point, you're a negative. But they want it up to a certain point, right? People want personality, but only up to a certain point, and then they're uncomfortable with it or whatever. Um, so it's but it, that's also the big reason why it's the fascinating, uh, the fascinating um, documentary yeah. that it is. I, I will one uh, sorry. I will add one thing about Nail Yakupov that I think is funny. Brian Burke maintains that that's the worst draft interview he ever did was interviewing Nail Yakupov for the Toronto Maple Leafs, yeah. which is awesome yeah. because then they took Morgan Riley, who Burke had ranked one, which is yep. not that Morgan Riley, like he's definitely up there amongst that draft, probably not at number one if you were to redraft it, but I'm very happy for Morgan Riley. Yeah, not a bad call, honestly, from Brian Burke there. Not a bad one. And again, in Toronto, he wouldn't have been a fit. It's not, it wasn't the right thing. Like he, I don't know. It just probably wouldn't have worked. Not the right group around him. Anyway. Yeah, um, Burke always says it's the worst interview and he's said it a yeah. lot, which I think is funny. Yeah, it is. Do you think the Boston University coach is not allowing Celebrini to be dynamic offensively? Like, what are you talking about? He's got 35 points in 22 games. I don't, what? Like, did he say, did the coach say something like that? Because he's on pace for 55 points in the NCAA this year with 40% involvement in this team's offense. You're there's not allowed to score 60. Yeah, so. no, there's, yeah, there's uh well, if we're talking about Alex Dagg, that's in the documentary too. He said one of his goals was to score 30 goals and his general manager was like wrong answer, <laughs> which is like, okay. Like, I would have said, said 40. If he yeah. Said like you asked me answer. what my, you asked me like what my goals are. And I just said, I wanted to score more. So like, and that's a bad thing, apparently. Like, what? What? And ah, uh, anyway. Um, I mean, the skill gap is also very large between the USHL and the in the NCAA. But yeah, no. What scoring off the rush? I don't. I don't. I don't know, man. I just. I don't know. <laughs> he's he's doing really well. I don't know what you want. Uh, I wonder if Salayev goes number two. He'd be my number two on physical traits alone. He's probably going like top three or four. Like it, it, NHL teams probably won't be able to help themselves. It depends on who drafts where. But like if the Ducks draft number two, I don't know how they don't draft a guy like Salayev or Levshinov that high. Um, I wouldn't do it, but God bless you if you do. Um. 
Thoughts on Dallas Aikens ruining Neil Yakupov? <laughs> yeah, I mean it was all a group effort. I think it was a it was a it was a it was a group effort. Um. So Joshua Waugh question time. Any update on your jersey hunt? When are you going to interview him on your show? I mean, I would love to. He probably never would, uh, because I guess people think I just hate him. Um, but I don't. Uh, but no, no update on the Jersey hunt. I'd rather see him play in the NHL for more than two games or whatever it was, uh, before he, you know, before I do that. Um, Daigle was also way too hyped being in talks of Richard, Jean Beliveau, Lafleur, and Lemieux. Yeah. But like, this is what I'm saying. Like, this is is what I'm saying. This happens. This happens every year, every year. This happens with the guys, right? Like who would you compare Connor Bedard to? Who would you compare? Who? What, what about, uh, you know, wh- how does Austin Matthews stack up to so-and-so? Like, where is Connor Bedard in the world's best hockey players ever? It's like, that's the problem, right? People look at children, literal children, and go, this guy is the future of the sport, right? And and in the mo- and every decade, it gets harder and harder to perform under that because it becomes easier and easier and easier to tell players how bad they are. And I wouldn't do that. I, I'm not sitting here saying that, uh, uh, I don't know, um, I mean, we call Anton players, Saliva we call is bad. bad. Well, but like, usually it's when they're uh, grown adults. <laughs> like, that's true. I don't, I, you know, like we, it's when they're 30 years old and multimillionaires, not when they're 17 years old and playing junior hockey, yeah, right? Like when you've got your bag, you're, you're, you're allowed to get called well, yeah, bad. And, but it's like, it's your job, right? Like it's their job to perform. So, so yeah, like it's just to me, it's 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 a difference when you're talking about guys who are kids and just this is a dream of theirs. And the last thing you want to do is get in the way of that by going, well, here's the bar. The bar the bar is X, right? Like here we go. You know what that um, reminds me of? There was a Rogers commercial of like some some kid talking to Alexi Lafreniere and Connor McDavid. And she like outright called them the best two players in the world like that. And then they aired that as like a commercial, right? Like that's how much hype players get. Yeah. So like I'm always, yeah, it's, and it's like over the years I have learned to be a lot more tepid and it doesn't sell, but I like to be more correct than I am wrong. And you'll, yeah, you don't see me dabbing up Hunter Brustovitz with how many points he's scoring this year on Twitter you don't see me, you know, talking about how Macklin Celebrini is going to like save the San Jose Sharks because it's you're not calling them like this is the worst trade. Yeah, like, yeah, this guy is overrated. Like, I'm not yeah. we're not capitalizing overrated in our title. Yeah, because we won't let me do it. Uh, I'm trying to push him to the dark side, everybody, but he won't let me do it. It yeah. Well, no, I, I would. Well, we, we wouldn't well. go that far, but like. You know, but the point is, yeah, the, we're about the point... accuracy and a little bit of clickbait, just a little bit. Yeah, sure. Yeah, there's a balance. It's a balancing act. That's all. Um, oh, oh, so they're talking about scoring off the rush. I mean, I don't know. Like Macklin Celebrini in the with Boston University has been that like when he tr- he's okay at that, but also like it's not super caught. He's not the fastest guy and doesn't have the most amount of skill at high speeds. And yeah, like NCAA is completely different and he's not the biggest guy. Um, he's very young and um, not physically developed like many NCAA players. So yeah, he's going to get muscled out a little bit, but he's been very, very good. 
Um, I can't really complain about how Macklin Celebrini's played. Um, I like the next question. Does Sam put the ouch in scouting? Yes. I'll yes, take my answer off the air. Yes, he does. He does, for sure. You don't yeah. have to take it off the air. No, yeah, keep it. Oh, yeah, we should have JD Young on the show, JD. But we go we go way back and talk some sharks and whatever. And uh, I'm sure I'm sure I'll be unlocked on sharks many times before the end of the year. Um, not planting that seed in your head or anything, JD. But, you know, um, it, I guess you asked also about when I'm getting an Eklund jersey. Uh, I, it is going to happen at some point. My... Um, I had to, I had to do the all-star one and, um, now I have no money. So yeah. Um, unfortunately, uh, got to pay AJ first and then, uh, go from there. Um, I like your priorities now. Yeah. How many NHL games did you wait to get a Rossi Jersey? Uh, I guess zero, zero. You, you got it immediately. I think you got it. I'll let you go. But I knew Marco Rossi was going to be a thing. And I was comfortable with the idea that even if he wasn't, I would still be happy that I owned that jersey because I love Marco Rossi so much as a player. Um, but yes, yeah. No, but I guess the point is, I am almost certainly not buying a Joshua Waugh jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Especially because uh, it's got a Habs logo on it. Well, that too. I do have a Habs jersey upstairs, but we don't need to talk about that. Shameful. Um it's signed actually it's signed by Yvonne Cornwallier. So there's that not taking away uh, from the fact that I would totally get a Fabian LaSalle Bruins Jersey, but nobody, nobody heard that and it's not true, but it is. Um, last and the last thing for the show to, before we go is someone vividly remembering my reaction to the Igor Chinikov pick. Yeah, that was a banger. That was a banger of a, of a draft. And I mean, it's what I live for the craziness on draft day. Uh, it's what I live for, but, uh, Anyway, that'll be it for today. Thank you, everybody, for joining me again. Thank you so much to Grav for hopping on the show. It was a lot of fun chatting with him, and I'm sure we'll chat again soon. Um, before we go, we're brought to you by Fanatics. You can use our affiliate link below. Scan the QR code in the chat window to provide a small kickback to the show and everything you buy. Uh, you can also support us through Puck Preps Hockey, where you can get all your NCAA and CHL prospect needs. Uh, we also are supported by Fractal Hockey Consulting, which is my business for hand-tracked player analysis and recruitment packages. And of course, scouting.ca for exclusive access to innovative data tools, a really fun Discord server where we watch hockey and do stuff, all kinds of stuff together, uh, and unparalleled insights into draft prospects and players making their mark in the NHL, featuring some of my track data as an archive uh, that you can go check out. Um, you can subscribe to scouting.ca and uh, access all that fun stuff. So thank you very much, everybody, for joining me. Producer AJ, again, I know what you're going to say, but thank you very much for all of your hard work. Go, let's go. Uh, Shout out to our graphic designer, also Raybro, for all of the work that he's been doing lately. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, he's bewilderingly good at Photoshop. So uh, thank you very very much. He is, yeah. It was fun watching him work the other night. Um, But anyway, that's going to be it. Uh, I got to go and calculate uh, my budget and uh, send AJ a a check. So I'll do that. And uh, thank you very much, everybody. And uh, thanks again to Grav for for coming on and... uh, Had a lot of fun. So have a fun all-star weekend and we'll see you on Monday night.